Well, oh, that was the fox <laughs> That was the fox yeah. hole one. Uh, hello to everybody out there and good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm Tom, W5KUB, and this is Amateur Radio Roundtable. If you're out there listening on shortwave station WBCQ tonight, we'd love to hear from uh, hear from you where you are. Uh, send us a, a report. Uh, tell us how you're hearing the station. WBCQ is transmitting uh, from the coast of uh, Maine and Canada up in the very northeast uh, part of the U.S. here. And I uh, would love to uh, love to hear from you. Send us a note to Tom at W5KUB.com. And uh, we're, uh, we're just so glad you're with us uh, tonight. Um, just very quickly here, I need you guys to do something for me uh, if you haven't already done it. And I would like for you to hit the subscribe button. You need to hit the subscribe button because it helps us to rank our show. And the more subscriptions we get, the more YouTube will advertise us and bring people into the show. So uh, please do that uh, for us. Hit the subscribe button. And uh, also we'd like to uh, uh, invite you to join our Facebook group. We've got a Facebook group uh, that has over 12,000 hams in it. And it's basically created for the show. That group is called Amateur Radio Roundtable, but that's too much to type in. Just type in W5KUB, and it'll take you to YouTube to to that uh, to that ham radio group. We'd love to have you, and we'll approve you. So uh, please do that. Going to have kind of a different show tonight. I kind of named it the Gathering because I'm trying to see uh, how many different people we can have out there uh, join us on uh, Zoom tonight. Uh, if you'd like to join us on Zoom tonight, uh, send me an email right now. We're monitoring the email. And uh, send us an email. You may, have seen the, uh, you may have seen the posting we did, but send an email to tom at w5kb.com, and we'll send you back a Zoom link uh, that you can connect to in the show. And we've got a number of people that have already connected into the show, but just uh, uh, go ahead and, uh, and do that. Uh, Let's see, the net tonight, 40-meter net tonight, was terrible. The band conditions were terrible. Lots of static. I think we got some rain coming in. I think we had four or five check-ins, and I just called it quits uh, tonight. Um, lots of things tonight. We're going to see what's in CQ next uh, month. We're going to talk about the uh, Young Ham of the Year. Uh, I've got a, a short video where we took the... Uh, Test balloon W5KB27 to to destruction. Uh, that, that's that's a fun experiment. 
And uh, then we're going to get into just regular ham radio stuff. I've got one of my friends on here uh, on on Zoom tonight that uh, I met when he was in high school, and I was uh, either a freshman or sophomore in college uh, over in his town, Russellville, Arkansas. Here at Arkansas Tech, and. Uh, we were just hashing back and forth some old memories from 50 years ago, and uh, I'm playing a trip over there soon. Uh, let's see. Um, I guess that is probably about all the announcements I have. Let's just jump around the room real quick. Let's just see who we got in the room tonight in in the uh, thing here. So I'm gonna. Looks like to me we've got uh, we got Mark up here. For hey, Mark, how you doing? Well, you're muted, Mike. Your your mic is muted. Your mic is muted, Mark. Your mic is still muted, Mark. There we go. I, good to hear. Good to hear you from there we Oklahoma, go. Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, man. Here's some updates on some balloons. We did some balloons with you. Yeah. A couple months ago with the OU students, and that went well. Appreciate your help on that. Yeah, I loved working with you guys there, there, there at, the, at the university. And uh, uh, in fact, I'm an Okie myself. I spent two years in the Air Force there in Oklahoma, so I, I'm part Okie myself there. Are you still allowed to come back in the state? Uh, yeah, I can still back. come back, man. You know, if I get <laughs> if I get to Russellville, I'm two thirds the way there. So yeah, maybe I'll get back. Uh, hey, let's jump around here. Let's say let's, let's go to my friend John real quick. John, uh, there in Russellville, Arkansas. How you doing, John? Come on in here and say hi. I'm doing just wonderful, Tom. I really appreciate you letting me join you this evening. And uh, I'm, I am, like everyone else, will be excited when you come back to your old stomping grounds in Russell. And uh, we'll show you some of the places, or at least we'll tell you about some of the places that uh, used to be there and some of the places that aren't there anymore. But uh, some things have changed, some things hadn't. Anyway, we're looking uh, really uh, forward and excited for you to come back and, uh, and visit us. Well, I, I want to come back over there, man. I mean, I, hey, I know there's very few things that are left there because, well, they just, they got old. And when you get old, you get replaced, right? But the lake is still there, guys. There's a beautiful lake there where the the Corps of Engineers uh, dammed up. There's a dam across the Arkansas River. And if you're in Kansas, you might think that's the Arkansas River, but it's really the Arkansas River. And uh, they dammed that up, and uh, there's, uh, yeah, I don't know, there must be a million acres of lake here. And uh, that was kind of neat to have when uh, we were over there. And uh, my understanding is, down in those valleys where that river, uh, that lake is, there's actually roads and houses down under the, uh, under the water there. Uh, yeah, so good to see you, uh, good to see you, John. And we'll be heading that way soon. Thank you very much. All right. And let's see, we got uh, some other people joining us here. Hey, Don Wilbanks, our friend Don Wilbanks from Louisiana. How you doing, Don? Hey, I'm good. Well, by way of uh, my home here in, in South Mississippi, but about 50 miles from New Orleans. And this is kind of like old home week because I, uh, I was born in Oklahoma and grew up there. Uh, my good friend Mark Klein, uh, they were kind enough to invite me up to the uh, Ham Holiday, uh, their big ham fest a few years ago, to speak at their banquet, which was... Uh, uh, a true highlight uh, and uh, of my ham radio career, and my dad was born in uh, in Arkansas, so I spent some some young uh, youth youth days in Arkansas. All so right, and, and tell us like, the name. Uh, tell like us old home old home week for me. Tell us the name of that Arkansas city again. Uh, Snowball. I, I, I guess it's not classified as a city. It must be a town. Uh, 
it's a wide spot in the road just yeah, about snowball as snowball yeah, arkansas my, my dad was born in snowball arkansas yeah all right well uh, there was a little town called tomato up uh north of where i lived uh tomato arkansas and oh man okay well all right don hey we'll get to you in a minute man glad you're with us tonight uh, let's see who else is in here. Uh, let's see. Hey, Rich, how you doing? You're up in what, New Jersey? <clears throat> yep, and uh, we're doing great here. We got a beautiful, beautiful day today, and uh, yesterday as well. Um, Going to be more like uh, southern weather weather tomorrow, though. Uh, highs in the, around 90 and uh, high humidity too. So, not looking forward to that. But the rest of the weekend should be pretty good. Well, that's, uh, that's great, man. And, hey, we're looking forward to hearing what's in the magazine next month, so we'll we'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. Uh, let's see. Alan, you're supposed to be on vacation, man. What are you doing in here on vacation? Well, I am on vacation. <laughs> so, Ooh, look at that. You from, uh, coming to you from uh, IOTA, North America 111, the northern tip of Long Beach Island, and uh, I'm about seven miles north of that picture behind me. So, uh, but uh, we're getting the ocean breezes here. So while Rich is getting the, all the heat on the mainland in New Jersey, we're about ten degrees cooler out here on the uh, the Barrier Island. So uh, while you're expecting nineties tomorrow, I think we're expecting seventies tomorrow down here. To be a beautiful day here on the out on the beach. All right, I think we had someone else join us, but he must have went away. I I didn't get to approve him. All right. All right. Well, great. Uh, I was wondering if that's a picture, if you were just really outside there. No, unfortunately, and I can't do much about the lighting here because I'm, I'm not in, I'm just in one of the spare bedrooms of the, the rented beach house oh, okay. here. Okay. Okay. So, All right. Uh, but yeah, if we want, if we have time later, we'll talk about where I am and what rate rigs I've yeah. brought down operating and all that stuff. well tonight it's going to be uh, a free-for-all and uh, just a smorgasbord of stuff tonight i'm afraid but it's going to be fun hey right. i see an old friend in the chat room michael calter's in here whci michael's in here from hamvention michael you should michael you should check you should join us on zoom tonight and get in here on the fun so send me an email michael and uh, i'll give you the link uh, if you want to get on zoom there all right, who am I missing on uh, Zoom tonight? Uh, we've had four or five more people join us here. So if I miss you, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to get into the show in a minute, and then we're going to have the free-for-all a little later. Uh, who else is in there? Let's see. Don't forget about Glenn. Glenn, yeah. Well, I, I, I did forget about <laughs> Glenn. Hey, Glenn. What are you doing, man? Yeah, I see you trying to ignore me tonight. Well, <laughs> you know... I was trying to keep the show on the rails as long as possible, but now I'll, that, be, I'll be good. Now that we know that you're here, uh, it's going to be difficult. But uh, yeah, we're, it's pretty much over now. All right. Well, very good. Glad to see you tonight. And yeah. uh, uh, for everybody else that just uh, tuned in on Zoom, there with us. So uh, we'll get around to you a little later. We'll just have an open discussion with everybody here. Uh, okay, so let, let's do something here. Uh, let's go out to Don Wilbanks. Hey, let's talk about something that's that's been happening every year, and and we'll be webcasting this uh, again this year. We've done it every year at the Huntsville Ham Fest. So, Don, you want to go ahead and pick it up and tell us what uh, what we need to know? 
Yeah, thank you so much, Tom. And it's nice to uh, nice to see Michael Calter in the chat room. Made contact with him on the radio over the weekend with the uh, W8BI uh, Hamvention special event. He was the control operator there. So uh, Michael will be expecting a card in the mail for CI and BI. That's 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 coming on the way. Well, oh, Tom, thanks for uh, giving us the time tonight with for Amateur Radio Newsline. You know, the the Young Ham of the Year Award is something that was very near and dear to Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, Newsline's founder, and that's his, uh, that, that, there we go, that's his personal license plate off of his vehicle. He became a silent key about six years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was his baby. Uh, you know, anything having to do with ham radio and, and youth, he was all about. So he decided to combine those two passions so that we could honor excellence in amateur radio by the youth uh, it's something that uh, that a young person under the age of 18 has done via amateur radio that has uh, furthered the uh, state of the art of ham radio or done something really cool for uh, you know for the community for the country for the world for just just, just something good and for uh, well since the 80s we've been honoring uh, these youngsters every year and that's coming up again uh, in fact the nominating period is open and in fact closes in just a few days on May 31st at midnight. You've got to get the nominating form in before May 31st at midnight. Uh, just email it to us, newsline at arnewsline.org. And you'll find that nominating form on our website, arnewsline.org. If you go to that website and click on the awards tab, the first link that's under there is the, uh, the actual nominating form that you can download, fill out, and then again, email it back to us. We have to have it back before midnight Eastern on May 31st, that is this coming Monday, uh, May 31st, uh, to Newsline at arnewsline.org. And ever since 1993, the Huntsville Ham Fest in Alabama has been the home of uh, Amateur Radio Newsline and the Young Ham of the Year Award, and we just could not be happier that uh, that there is actually a... Uh, uh, Huntsville Ham Fest this year. We're thrilled well, about that. Y- yes, sir. Hey, look, I just pulled up a picture here. Look at here. I know. Look at that. Yep. There's uh, there's one of our young hams, and there's there's our good friend Marty. Evan and our good yeah, friend. Yeah, Marty there. We yeah. got Rich with yeah. us tonight. We got Rich, you, yeah. and uh, that's Marty uh, Soloway, I think. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And his he's changed his call since then. Marty's uh, one of our young ham alumni and a, a, yeah. and a great one as well. And so. But yeah, it, we're looking forward to seeing you at Huntsville. It's always uh, we always really appreciate the fact that you live stream that for us, and uh, we just appreciate uh, the support that you've given to Amateur Radio Newsline over the years, and uh, and we're we're happy to to do it to uh, present. Well, we're glad the, to do it. I know excellence toward, in youth and amateur radio. You know, we're glad to do that. And I know toward the end when uh, when Bill was getting sick and he couldn't make it that last year or two. Uh, I'm sure he was able to watch it and be a part of it, and uh, that's that's why we wanted to. Yeah. Bill was also supposed to be on our show that, uh, probably uh, soon, but uh, he got ill, and, uh, well, we know the rest of the story there. We're going to miss Bill. Yeah, I know for a fact Bill was always watching because he was blowing up my phone just yeah. minutes before time to go on stage at 2 o'clock. So. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he was always watching. And, you know, uh, you got uh, you got Rich Moses and W2VU going to be here to talk about what's going on in CQ magazines. Uh, Rich is one of the members of our judging committee, and Rich always joins us on stage for the presentation. So uh, we certainly appreciate everything that, everything that Rich does uh, for us and for, uh, for amateur radio and CQ magazine. 
Well, all right. Well, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be down there with you. You're going to be there, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there. We'll stream it, and uh, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be cool. We appreciate and it. Fun. Appreciate and it. Let me, let me mention the website yeah. one more time. It's right uh, arnewsline.org. arnewsline.org. And that nominating form is under the awards tab at the very top. And uh, all the information is there on the form. And uh, make sure you get, us, get it in the email to us. Uh, by midnight Eastern, Monday, May 31st. And that email address is our regular email address, newsline at arnewsline.org. You scroll down, you'll see the download link, and uh, that will, uh, right there it is. Just click here to download the form, and that's where you get it. Right, right. there. Yep. Well, I nominated a person one year, and they won it. And uh, I feel like I was a part of that that year. So Yeah, absolutely. Great, man. Absolutely. Great. You got skin in the game. Absolutely. That's right. That's right, man. Well, hey, man, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Hey, you can stick with us uh, uh, the rest of the show if you want to. We don't know where yeah, it's going to go. we'll hang out for a while. We don't know, we'll where, while. We don't know where it's going to go uh, because it's going to get a little rowdy after a while. Uh, well, and, and with you and Glenn here, it can get really rowdy, uh, I'm sure. But that's okay. We can have a different type show tonight. So that's right in my wheelhouse, us. Tom. You know that. Stick with us as long as you want to tonight, and uh, we'll uh, we'll just see where this thing goes. All right. Well, let's. Um, and uh, we've, hey, we've got to fill a two-hour spot. Now, our show is kind of long every Tuesday night, but we have a two-hour slot on our international shortwave show, and uh, we try to fill that. Uh, we think it's important. So, you know, you might consider this show over an hour, but it continues. Believe me, it'll go another hour. So we have a lot of fun with it. Stick around there with us. Why don't you introduce our next guest, and uh, let's just find out what uh, what he has to say you know it would be it would be my pleasure because uh, ever since uh, Bill Pasternak started the young ham of the year award uh, CQ communications has been one of the uh, one of the, the the sponsors along with Yezu USA and Heil sound and then uh, later on we brought in our good friend Emmett from radio waves antenna as a corporate sponsor and uh, I've met Rich Moseson Back in, uh, I guess, my very first uh, Huntsville Ham Fest, which was 1995. So I've known Rich for uh, as long as I've been a ham. And in fact, uh, our good friend uh, Joe Eisenberg uh, uh, got the uh, got the kit building um, article. The kit building, uh, what would you call him? The kit. He got the he got the column. Uh, he got the job in my car as we were driving to dinner one day at Huntsville uh, during uh, during the yeah. thing, during the uh, Young Ham of the Year Award. So. Uh, uh, Rich Moses and W2VU, tell us what's going on in CQ Magazine this month. Good evening, everybody, and thank you, Don. Um, first of all, I want to say that being on the judging committee for Young Ham of the Year is the highlight of my year every year. Um, I just look forward to it so much and to, to seeing all the great things that so many young people are doing in and with ham radio. And... Uh, being able to help with the presentations is, is another part of that. So uh, it's uh, definitely one of the highlights of my year, if not the highlight. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the next round as well. And uh, June CQ. Is so, hey, our, hey, hey, Rich, yeah. Rich, let me first, let me, before you jump into CQ, someone, right. someone in the chat room has noticed they think you've got a haircut. Is that is that right? I made that mistake as well. <laughs> All right, I'm going to 
reveal this to the world. Let's see it. Let's see it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, That's a man. good look, Rich. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a good look for you. You oh, need to man, keep he's that. rocking it. It's you finally, need to keep that. Oh, okay, man. It's finally long enough that everything on the side can get back into the ponytail. Oh, yeah, wow. You need to keep that. You so, fooled me? Man. All, all of my friends who uh, have less hair than they'd like to tell me I should keep it. Uh, so maybe I will. Listen, if if, if Tom Emmett and uh, myself decide to get the band back together, you're a shoe in. <laughs> hey, I resemble the only that long comment. You'd be the only long hair in the group. You know, I, th- yeah. I think I resemble that comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we did have fun to be. Go ahead, Rich. We don't want to, we don't want to mess my, you up. My mom way. wants me to get my hair cut, so that's all the more reason not to. You know. <laughs> of course. What a yeah. <laughs> so, back to ZQ and the June issue. It is our Take It to the Field special, and uh, we've got no less than eight articles in this issue about portable or mobile operations in some way, shape, or form. Um, we start out with a split-level VHF-UHF go box plus a base station. This is a really cool thing that K1EHZ built. Um, he's got the, the equipment mounted onto um, in a, a basically a um, it's not a plexiglass, but close to it. Um, they're, they're mounted in, in a, two sheets of clear plastic and they can just, and he's got a, a you know, a uh, I'm um, not doing well on the words tonight. <laughs> well, sorry. <that's all> right. <laughs> a Pelican case. I should look at the article. So yeah. It fits into the Pelican case for mobile operations or portable operations. But when he's at home, it just lifts straight out of the Pelican case. He puts it down on the table, and he's got his home station set up as well. So that's very, very cool. Um, we also uh, do a little bit of time travel. We go back in time to last winter and have a report on winter field day at WA0PCC in Iowa. Um, it's uh, Rod Bloxham, K0DAS, and uh, five other people have joined their forces together to write the article and operate there. Uh, then we take you to Florida, and uh, W4DNN, our former QRP editor, has an article on a QRP expedition to Hog Island. An appropriate place for hams, of course. And uh, then N4RLI has an article called Stapy RS and Foxmitter. Excuse me one second, my voice is going away here. Um, this is a APRS and Fox Hunt beacon uh, built around an HT and an Arduino. And mm. uh, that's also a very cool thing. Uh, K1JD has an article on a three-band trap-end-fed half-wave antenna for QRP portable operation. It weighs five ounces. It's something very significant for people who are backpacking. Mm. That includes uh, the uh, traps. It's Our CQ Classic for this month is also part of our Take It to the Field special, comparing 
with what you can put in your pocket today to go out in the field in a five-ounce antenna. We have from 1945 a two-tube walkie-talkie pack set. Let's see if I can find a picture of it here to see, show you just how portable it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was portable. Uh, so it reminds was, me of my first two-meter rig. From 1945, that yeah. was uh, pretty portable. And that was in use by WERS, the War Emergency Radio Service, which is, uh, you know, we all say that uh, ham radio was shut down during World War II, which it was in, in normal circumstances, but a lot of hams who were not in the military and deployed overseas uh, were able to operate through war WERS, the War Emergency Radio Service. It's kind of a, a precursor to today's RACES. And uh, there was uh, basically civil preparedness radio. Um, in our columns, we've got uh, two columns that are part of the Take It to the Field special as well, emergency communications. Um, N8BHL writes about NVIS, Near Vertical Incidents Skywave, and how it's being used in emergencies today and for portable operations. Uh, when you're set up and joe eisenberg k0neb who don was just mentioning um writes up the qrp labs qcx mini a field radio in your pocket and i was so impressed with what he wrote about in the column that i went and ordered one myself haven't built it yet though it's my father's day present to me <laughs> if field operating isn't your thing we've got a few articles as well We've got the results of the 2020 CQDX Marathon, which is our annual year-long contest. Um, keep everybody on the bands. Uh, AG5AY has an article on a DC over coax three-way antenna switch. And moving back into our columns, Erwin Math, WA2NDM, and Math Notes writes about working with supercapacitors, which is uh, another way of getting around carrying heavy batteries with you if you're going out in the field. In listening post, Jerry Dexter reports on the path passing of uh, Brother Stair, a uh, rather controversial shortwave host, and uh, a bunch of other stuff going on in the world of shortwave listening. Um, microcontrollers, we have a guest columnist this month. Um, who is well known to people who are big into microcontrollers. Uh, Jack Purdom, W-A-T-E-E, -E, uh, has a uh, coding primer, which he titles going from RDC to PGC. You'll, of course, have to read it to find out what yeah. it stands for. Yeah. <laughs> um, got a couple more antenna articles. Um, learning Curve Editor, Ron Oshu, KO0Z, has a piece on loops this month, and Antenna's editor, WA5VJB, writes a really fascinating piece on frequency selective surface surfaces. Um, here's an example of a frequency selective surface, a fence. Mm. Depending on the frequency, it will either block your signal or pass it. So really interesting stuff mm -hmm. there. Um, We've got a report in our VHF Plus column about some trans-equatorial propagation in April and an early start for sporadic E this season. Um, plus, we've had already one or two transatlantic and transpacific openings on six meters. So if you 
don't get to that uh, 50 position on your radio very often, check it out. There's a lot of stuff going on on six meters right now. Um, DX Editor N200 has details for us on the upcoming 3Y0JD expedition to Bouvet Island. That's uh, still quite a ways away, 2023, but they're starting work early on uh, all the planning and preparations and fundraising, of course, because uh, these ain't cheap. Um, contesting editor N3QE tells us about the first WPX event using multi-distributed category. That's a new category we've started in our WPX contest, which uh, allows for not only remote operation of a station, but multiple separate stations operating under one call sign and uh, operating together for a single score. That's called multi-distributed. And finally, our propagation editor, NW7US, writes about uh, field day and uh, what you can expect to uh, be happening on the bands this field day, which is just coming up about a month from now, and that's the time to check the conditions. It's a 28-day recurrence cycle of uh, that's the how long it takes the sun to rotate around. And so 28 days before field day, which is right about now, is going to be a preview of uh, what conditions are going to be like on field day. Uh, hopefully, there will be a couple of sunspots that make their way onto the sun before then, because uh, right now it's pretty crappy. <laughs> so <laughs> that is a uh, look at our June edition, our Take It to the Field special. And uh, want to let you know that we still have our Spring Fever subscription special going on, but it's going to be ending in a few days. So uh, please, uh, if you're interested, and I hope you are, go to our website, www.cq hyphen amateur hyphen radio.com and uh, you can find out there all about the spring fever special and the ways you can save on a subscription to CQ and uh, that's what we've got coming up for you in June all right well, hey, hey Tom yes hey can I put in a plug since Rich is talking about the uh, propagation the solar stuff yeah I'll put in a plug for the uh, Dayton uh, 2021 Special Achievement uh, Award winner, Dr. Tamitha Scove, WX6SWW. If you're not following her on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, she she gives you all the lowdown. Dr. T gives you all the lowdown on what's going on in the sun. And uh, she posted a video just today about what she called a machine gun effect of solar storms, some of which were M-class flares that just happened the last couple of days or so. So uh, make sure you follow her on Twitter, yeah. at Tamitha Scove. And uh, check out her, her uh, website, spaceweatherwoman.com. And also check out her videos at, uh, on, on uh, YouTube, uh, Tamitha Scove. And, of course, you can watch her uh, uh, when we do the Ham Nation program yeah. coming up on Wednesday. Well, you know, I, uh, so, yeah. I haven't seen the, the video you're talking about. You say she just put it out today? Today. I haven't seen it yet, but that will be interesting uh, to see. Check it out. Hey, guys, the sun spots. Hey, it's going to be good again. It's going to be like the old days, man. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's gonna yeah. be uh, Doctor T's the best too. Yeah, it's gonna be great, man. All right. Well, hey, hey, Rich, thanks so much for coming and uh, telling us about CQ next uh, month. And we'll we will we'll see you uh, soon uh, down in uh, down in Huntsville. Sure, hope so. 
All right. I see Mark there Brown in. I see Mark Brown in the room there. Mark's in there. He's going to make sure that Huntsville happens. He's going to take care of us. So thanks to uh, to Mark. All right. All right. Well, hey guys, let's take just a quick break, and we'll be right back. And uh, and then this is where the show's going to go off the rails probably the rest of the night. So we'll be we'll be right back. Outdoors are calling. Get outside and under the stars with one of ICOM's ultimate SDR transceivers. The IC705 is a perfect transceiver for hams who enjoy both the great indoors and the outdoors. It's a perfect QRP companion. The base station has features and functionality at the tip of your fingers and a portable package. And it covers HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. And guess what? It weighs in at just under 2 pounds. It has a 4.3 inch touchscreen and it's got a live band scope and waterfall. It'll run 5 watts with a BP272 or 10 watts on 13.8 volts DC. It runs all modes, including D-Star. The speaker microphone comes standard. The perfect accessory for the 705 is the LC192 backpack. It has a special compartment for your IC705 and room for all your accessories. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver radio brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are just sure to keep you busy. It has a 4.3-inch color touchscreen and spectrum scope and waterfall. It has smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels. And it's full duplex operation in satellite mode. Heard it, worked it, and logged it with ICOM 7300. It's a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative ATF transistor digitizes the RF before various receiver stages to reduce the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 is the radio that changed the way of entry-level HF. Visit www.icomamerica.amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right, we are back. And boy, are we having fun tonight. Yes, sirree, Bob. Do we have a Bob with us tonight? Yes, sirree. Yes, sirree, John, I guess I should say, or... Don, yes, sir, Don. That's what that's yeah. gonna be the same tonight. Yes, sir, Don. Yeah. Well, right, I see so, a Tim, a Glenn, a Rich, and yeah, Anthony, yeah, and Alan. And yeah. yeah, we got a bunch of them. In so there. you know, okay. So let's just jump into some other things real quick and get this out of the way, and then we'll have some fun after this. But uh, you know, uh, our show has been flying the Pico or uh, balloons around the world for about almost two years now. We've kept one in the air almost for two years, uh, not the same one. When it would come down, we had the next one ready to, to go, and we kept kept launching. And we were pretty successful. We've flown uh, balloons around the world multiple times, uh, and uh, we've used both the cheap balloons and the expensive balloons. And... Um, 
The expensive balloons have a problem on altitude. The highest you're going to fly with those is about 44,000 feet. That's the max. And there's a lot of science behind there that says this is why you can only fly 44,000. It has a certain amount of volume. It has a certain amount of weight. And, uh, you know, depending on how many uh, bird poops get on it, that depends on how high it goes. But, uh, so... Lately, we have been working on trying to break that glass ceiling. And I'm working with some guys out in Oregon right now, out on the West Coast, that are real balloon professionals that have been in the balloon business for like 30 years, uh, building and flying balloons that held, you know, hundreds of millions of cubic feet of gas. It would lift thousands of pounds. Uh, it would lift things like telescopes and scientific instruments. And they, they did it for... You know, they did it for like three-letter uh, ID, you know, what do you call it, Don? These three-letter ID uh, people. Oh, the uh, the alphabet bureaus? Yeah, the alphabet bureaus. You know, yeah. Not the ABCs, but kind of like the CIAs no, and the FBI, FBI yeah, those CIA. Guys. So anyway, yeah. anyway, so they're now focusing. They're focusing on the Pico balloons with, with me, and I'm working with them. We're kind of testing together. Uh, sometimes I do something first. Sometimes they do something first. And... So, I mean, experts, millibars, liquids of water pressure, that millibar, they, they're, they're experts in this. But, I, you know, I don't know how tough it's been to change your mind from, you know, thousands of pounds to grams because all of our stuff is in grams that we fly and it's measured to the grams. So anyway, back to the story. We have stopped flying our balloons because... Anybody can fly a balloon around the world now at 44,000 feet. That's pretty given, and uh, we've done that uh, uh, several times. So we're trying to break the glass ceiling, and we are designing and working on a balloon that will at least fly 55,000. I'm thinking that uh, our next launch, we're going to go for 55,000 or 60,000. Now, the problem we got is the materials we have to work with aren't very strong, and they won't hardly or barely hold the pressure at those altitudes and we know what the pressures are so we do a lot of measurements inflation and so forth so um, we're working to do that now I want to show you one of the balloons uh, uh, that um, I've been working on here lately with the with the material that we have available um, here is one in my shop that I had in here last week uh, 22 feet long uh, 10 feet circumference, and uh, we've been been working on this to see and been crunching the numbers to see if we can't get this balloon over 45,000, get it up in the 50s. And you can see it's quite large, right there. It's the entire length of my shop, and uh, it's pretty big right there. And you can see that's where I put the uh, air in right there uh, on the uh, on the end there. I'm going to run a little video for you. I'm going to show you. We're going to take this one to destruction. Oh, and, and what we've done is the material. We found the material will not hold the pressure. So what we're doing, we're testing now netting. So I tested some 4-inch netting on the balloon to try to keep the balloon from popping. And we went to, uh, on this last one, we went to some stronger netting. And it's 4-inch uh, it's square. So there's a close-up of it there. So uh, I'm going to show you a little video here real quick of us inflating this and testing the pressure. 
and we're using a homemade manometer which is the little water tube and we measure the inches of water and you can convert those inches of water directly into pounds per square inch or millibars so let me pull up this video real quick and i'm gonna i'm gonna we'll run that real quick hey tom yes before you play that video i got a, a message here from martin Zhu. oh did uh, you yeah he, he wanted All to right, be here well. tonight but uh, he just got in from out of town, and he's so wore out that he's going to miss it tonight. All right. Well, that's okay. I did invite Martin, and uh, I, he uh, he runs a busy life, believe me. All right. Oh, man, well, very good. Very good. Okay. So here's a quick video of us uh, testing, putting this balloon under some pressure test. And uh, we're going to run that real quick if I can figure out where it is here. Let's see. Here we go. Oh. We hit it up to four inches of water pressure, water level pressure, and uh, oh, our net popped several places. This net is, uh, they, they told me it's 43 pound test. Not sure if it really is. We'll, we'll be testing that in the lab later. Uh, our circumference, we've got the net about right. <clears throat> the circumference is staying 10 feet, pretty close to 10 feet. We're seeing some stress on the balloon material. We're gonna blow it, we've, we've tied the, the, uh, the netting that popped we tied it back together. All right, uh, we're starting to see a lot of stress, a lot of stress marks in the material. You can see them right here where it's stretched. A lot of stretching, a lot of stretching in the balloon material. All right, we're gonna try to take this up and see if we can explode it. I wanna see what we can get up to our, our nets. Our net made it to uh, four inches of uh, water level. We're gonna see how high it's gonna go. And, and the popping wasn't too awful out a while ago, so here we go. this time too so we're up to one inch of the water level when we get to a little below two inches that's the pressure that is at altitude I think uh, 3.75 is the altitude and water pressure so if we can get to two we beat the pressure I'd like to see us get up to three or four or five that's gonna be a lot Where it 
That's the uh, that's the net popping. We're five inches. We're five inches of water. We'll stop it for a second. Uh, it's getting really tight. We're at five inches. Yeah, we're we're at five inches of water pressure. It's starting to go down a little bit with the thing off, but two and a half times two. We're at five inches. So the uh, the pressure. The pressure altitude is about 3.7, I think, maybe. Yeah, 3.7 inches of water. Uh, and we got up to, uh, I forgot what we got up to. What did we get up to? Two and a half. Two and a half. We got up to five. So we had a fairly good safety margin. Okay, let's explode it. Let's go with it. Here we go. Alright, so uh, you can see at five inches of water level, we, uh, we, the balloon self-destructed. So that was at five inches of water. Uh, at altitude, we need three and uh, just a little under four inches uh, to, uh, to hold the pressure, and we were at five. So that balloon probably might, would, might have survived if we launched it. Of course, we destroyed it there uh, in the process of putting it together. So, uh, again, we are, uh, because of the diameter, and as you study this, you will find that um, the diameter of this balloon is going to determine how high it's going to fly. This particular balloon is 20 feet long, and uh, it has a diameter of about 3 feet. If I made this same balloon 40 feet long, it would fly the same height. And if I made this balloon 60 feet long, it would still fly at the same height. Because each time we lengthen it, we're adding more weight. So weight is the killer here uh, for us. So this, this particular balloon has a circumference of 10 feet. And uh, 10 feet is going to only get you up between 45,000 and 50,000 feet maybe. Uh, so uh, the next piece we're going to be working on this week is we're going to go with a 20-foot circumference. So we're going to have a 20-foot circumference around this balloon and probably make it about 14 feet long. And that the math works out where that will fly somewhere around 60,000 or 62,000 feet. So uh, the net is a, a, a mess to get right. It tangles and it's, it's, it's tough and uh, it's real tedious here. So uh, that's kind of where we are. Just want everybody to know we haven't forgot about you. You know, we're, 
we're just not flying we're, we're just not flying a balloon every single week now because we've done it it's getting boring to do that and we're trying to break that ceiling and hit get into the 55 or 65,000 nobody else is flying at 55 or 65,000 now you may say well hey I see these balloons on the internet all the time these weather balloons they'll go up to 90,000 feet well yes they will that's a different type balloon that's a latex balloon and it's made to basically go straight up and it just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding and at some point it pops it breaks at 95,000 it'll pop because it expands to its max it gets thin and then it falls so uh, that's not what our balloons do our balloons have to hold the super pressure and that balloon when it's launched it's almost empty when we launch that balloon it's empty and you've seen some of our videos where it looks like an empty clothes bag going up with just a bubble in the top because at altitude it's going to be completely expanded and it's going to be tight it's going to be as tight as uh, that test that we just ran right there so once that balloon stretches and then it stops it can't go any further that's going to limit your altitude and it won't go any higher so that's kind of where we are there so Glenn what do you, what do you think man what what's our next step Glenn our next step is to put some LEDs on it in a circular pattern yeah and have them blink and flash and maybe paint on the side take me to your leader <laughs> I thought about that but you know I don't know if we can see a little LED from that high man I mean oh oh no you use the super bright ones oh yeah you'll okay see them. okay well all right. Well, anyway, hey guys, that is that's where we are. Just want you to know about the balloon. We are working hard every day. In fact, uh, I'm doing the math on that thing. Let me show you something. This is my desk. No, that's not my desk. Uh, here, here's my desk right here. If you look, I've got hundreds of sheets of paper there where I'm calculating different size balloons, different different ends. Uh, uh, different volumes, different weights, uh, everything weighs, you know, everything weighs. Uh, even uh, tape to spl splice it with weighs almost two grams per foot. Uh, you know, the entire trackers, our payload that we normally fly is about, is normally about 10 to 15 grams. And uh, that's, uh, that's pretty small. So uh, our problem here is weight. Uh, that balloon material will not it would just keep stretching and it's going to pop so we had to stop the stretching and that's why we're using the net uh, this net is better than the first net but uh, you heard this net popping and uh, we don't have a whole lot of margin here so we're looking for better net and uh, the net weighs the net weighs um, you know I mean this is this is a heavy balloon you fly one of the SBS's like we used to fly uh, at 45,000, 44,000 feet, they weigh 109 grams. This particular balloon that we're building here weighs over 1,100 grams. That's counting the uh, a couple hundred for the uh, the net and maybe eight to nine hundred for the balloon itself, the balloon material. So, so uh, weight is the killer. We, if we could just get the weight, we need stronger material, which you just almost can't find. If we could get mylar, if we could get big wide sheets of mylar, that would work better. But uh, I, I have received some mylar from someone interested in helping us, but the mylar is only 42 inches wide. So um, it's not, you know, we need we need stuff 10 foot wide, 20 foot wide to get to get that volume. So uh, anyway, that's where we are with um, 
with the uh, uh, balloon. I just want you to know that we haven't forgot about you. We're working hard on this every day, and I want to get one in the air as soon as we can. And on this flight, we're going to be testing an experimental LiPo battery. If you remember from our previous shows, a LiPo battery would not work at the altitude because it's minus 55 degrees Celsius. They just would not work. They would not charge. They would not put out. We have uh, uh, my, my guys there in Oregon have sent me some uh, experimental batteries. We've tested them. We've tested them down below 55 degrees Celsius, and they're still working. So we, uh, the, the tracker we're going to send up, we've got uh, redundant uh, solar panels on it so we can pick up uh, sunlight from sunrise back down to sunset. And uh, we've got a charger on there, and we've got a 300 milliamp LiPo battery. And a 300 milliamp LiPo battery will run a tracker on the ground. It'll run that tracker for about seven hours. So we're looking for some coverage, some tracking during the nighttime hours, because that's when a lot of things go wrong. At nighttime, the sun goes down, the air cools. You don't have the sun heating up the gas. It cools. If you don't have enough free lift in this balloon, the balloon will come down and hit the ground. So um, by having a battery in there, we're going we're gonna to get a lot of data about how it's flying uh, during the nighttime and, and what kind of altitudes we're getting. And that's going to be the trick right there is to see if we can get enough gas in it. We've got to get enough free lift gas in it that we can keep it up there. But if we put too much in it, it will burst. It will expand and burst. So there's a really fine area that we've got to be at uh, to make this thing successful. Uh, so it takes material strength, the right uh, pressure, the right amount of gas, and we always use hydrogen gas because hydrogen gas will take us uh, about 2,000 feet higher than helium. Um, so um, we do that. And uh, we're having fun. We've learned a lot. We've learned a whole lot about it. So that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the, the spill I wanted to give you on the um, on the balloon. Just don't worry, guys. I know everybody's interested in it, it flying, but I don't want to put one up in the air that I know is going to come down that next day. Now I could fly an SPS balloon and fly it around the world, but guys, that's getting boring. So when, when I put one up there, I want to have some uh, some feeling that it's going to stay up there. So uh, this is uh, it's kind of critical, and like I say, I'm working with some experts there, and uh, that's a hostile area. That's a hostile area up there at 55,000 feet, believe me. Uh, anyway, uh, okay. Hey, next, I, let me just mention this, and then we're going to get into everybody. We're going to get to all the people here. We talked about, we talked about using, you know, the show is going to do an experiment using a tree as an antenna. Now, as I mentioned, there's been a lot of studies, not, not, not using a tree to hold an antenna up, but a tree as the antenna. There's been studies in the military that I've been researching uh, that, that the military did, um, they did experiment with this. And um, uh, here's, this is out, well, oh, that's not out of their manual. This is out of their manual here. This is out of their experiment manual. So they're telling me here they used a, a coil to couple around the tree. And that's how they uh, drove the tree right here. And they, they, they actually patented that. They call it a HEMAC. It's a helical coil coupled air core toroidal coil. Boy, I can't say that again. 
But anyway, that's how they coupled. So you can see there, and here's another example right here of coupling to the tree. So, you know, I was going to wind a coil and put it there, but one of our good viewers out there sent me a note and says, hey, why don't you do this? Use, uh, use one of these, you know, a, a, a dryer vent hose. And I thought, okay, uh, they make both. They make the aluminum one and they make the plastic or the vinyl ones. And look at this. Here's a vinyl one. But it has the coil, the metal coil inside. So uh, I'm trying to locate one of these. And we're going to put it around a tree and put a tuner on it. And then we are going to, um, we're going to load that tree up. And we're gonna we're gonna do some measurements. And um, uh, Bill, the uh, last show gave me a great idea, and that was use whisper. So we can use we can do a whisper transmission, and it'll actually plot it on the map. It'll put everybody that received it on the map. It'll draw a line to them. It'll tell us the uh, the, the dB levels and, and the, the signal levels of everybody that received it. And, and to make the test uh, a better test, then we're going to also run that same coil. Some people might say, well, that looks like a slinky antenna. Well, it kind of does. So we're going to take that off the tree and just set it out in the open. And we're going to run it again, run the same whisper test with it not around a tree. So we're going to go back and forth, tree, no tree, tree, no tree. And we're going to run whisper on it. And we should get some really good data. Now, the military has charts where they plotted this. And they say that this, this tree antenna worked as well in their test as a whip antenna. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, how well it really works. So that's the update. That's the update on the, uh, on the tree antenna. We're getting to it. And I need some help. You know, you would think as many hams as there are in Memphis that you could find somebody that would be interested in working on these things. I can't find anybody. Maybe everybody's working or I don't know. Maybe they have other interests. But, uh, you know, it'd be cool if I can get some help in here to, to do these things, you know. All right. <clears throat> all right. So, all right. Well, it you is know, time. Tom, I would help if I could, but you do it during the weekdays. Well, man. that's I true, and you know, I, and you've been good for helping, but you've got that job now, and you got to be at yeah. your job during the day every day. Yeah, I got to pay for cat food, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do this. Uh, we're we're going to move into the part of the show here where it's the free for all. We're going to talk about everything, and. Uh, I'm going to open the phone lines also. The people that didn't want to uh, uh, call in on Zoom, if again, if you want to call in on Zoom, send me an email to tom at W5KB. I'll send you the link. But I'm going to open the phone line, and if you want to just call in on the phone, you can do that. Um, and hey, uh, hey, Tom, yes, Tom, before you run off on that that uh, last bit, how how. Uh, how are you calculating the uh, the length of those antennas? Is that just random? You are the only participant the in the conference. The length of the length of the uh, tree antenna. The dry, the dryer vent, yeah, the tree antenna, and the dryer vent. Well, you know, uh, the uh, we I don't have any data on the the inductance or the number of turns on the coil, but if you look at those pictures, I I don't think that's real critical. Uh, it looks like we're going to probably be using some four-inch diameter coil, which looks like it's very close to what they had to picture. 
Uh, and since we're going to use an auto tuner to tune that, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to make a whole lot of difference. Uh, we should be able to couple into the tree just like like uh, they did. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna give that a try. Um, you know, um, I don't know what to expect. You know, I, I've got um, some I've got some 130 foot trees in my yard here. Is that gonna be uh, is that gonna be man. a 160 meter or an 80 uh, 80 meter vertical? I have no idea. You know, it talk be, about a novel way to get around your HOA, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I can I can see it now coming soon in the CQ uh, uh, kit uh, column. Uh, plans for that antenna and the plan list will be go to Home Depot and get a little sapling about that big around. That's right. And uh, yeah, that would yeah, be good. Wait, wait twenty years. That would wait be, twenty uh, years and you got it. Yeah, that, that would well, that would be good for two meters probably or four forty. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. and and, yeah. and you know, call it the twenty year vertical. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, you start yeah. off at 70 centimeters, then about five years you're at two meters. That's right. And about another ten years you're at six meters. And yeah, just. <laughs> Yeah, you know, after 20 years, you'll probably be down to about 20 meters. Yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. That's oh, right. man. Well, I'll tell it's you. It's right? So, it's you slinky. know, I don't know if the size of the tree. <laughs> you have, you'll have to plant a bunch of them to have a beam. I don't yeah, see. Yeah. Oh, oh, hey, yeah. hey, the article discusses that. The study discusses that. Multiple trees in a row as a beam. It does discuss that's that. Interesting. Wow. Hey, that's, that's are, you, are you familiar with the D-Explorer compare function of Whisper? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, the Explorer has a uh, uh, has a, a piece of uh, software that will let you compare with your two transmitters, and it will transmit. It'll check the exact same transmission from, let's say, my transmitter to your transmitter, and to a third receive site. So it's yeah. simultaneous receives at the third site. And you can say, okay, mine was minus 10 dB and yours was minus 5 dB. And it will statistically average those, and it'll come up with a number that says your antenna is 10 dB better than mine or mine's 10 dB yeah. better, better. Something well, like that. Well, I'll, I'll look into that, Mark, and we'll see. Hey, Mark, the way you've got your picture set up, we're, okay, let's pull we're, only, seeing, we're only seeing a gnat on your left shoulder. <laughs> You know, oh, everybody, everybody else comes in fine, but you, there you go. Now Let's we can try that. Now we, that. we can see there you now, go. man. Just, there we go. Just brush and, that. And, brush and it I've got right here the... Uh, there it is. There well, it you is. know, you know, they told me first, go out and get a slinky. Go out and get me. Go to uh, Cracker Barrel and get a slinky. But I imagine those things are about nine bucks a piece at uh, Cracker Barrel, so I don't know. Man. If you can find a metal one, they're all plastic. Oh, are they? Yeah. Well, yeah. I sure don't. I sure don't want to use a plastic one. I, you know, not for this test anyway. Yeah. 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 All this right. So ancient. Uh, hey, I like the dryer vent idea. Yeah, the like dryer that. vent. I'm, actually, that that was a good deal. You know, I was going to take a piece of this, uh, and I showed it last week. This piece of a uh, black uh, uh, pipe. You know, you put in the ground for drains. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's corrugated, and I was just going to wind about a hundred feet of wire on it. But uh, you know, that that takes a lot of wire. And look at this, man. It's already made for you. Ready made in a form. It's, it's already flexible, it's already made, yeah. and it's so easy just to bring around a tree, and I'll put a little hook yep. on it where we can hook it, and then we'll clip the tuner uh, to each side of it there, and we will just you know we'll go for it, and we'll see we'll have how. To try it, that. I've got a couple of those small whisper light devices that we can just put them up, leave them for a while, and okay, and, uh, yeah, do some comparisons. Yeah, John AC8XU in the chat room says you can find the metal ones at Walmart. 
Well, you t- when well the the oh, metal, the metal, ones, the metal ones I found everywhere have the metal uh, the aluminum foil uh, on them. It's metal slinky, yeah. The, like the metal. Well, oh, you, he meant the metal slinky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you don't see, want to I, use the aluminized dryer vent. See, I yeah. can I can find aluminum. I can find the, the aluminum dryer vents everywhere. I'm having a little trouble yeah. here locally finding the uh, the vinyl or plastic ones. You know, yeah. the, now I did find one on the internet. I started to order it. It was like five dollars. It was like fifteen bucks shipping. So cheapskate me. I, I decided not to do it. So. I'm still looking, you know, for uh, the right dryer vent, you know. I think Amazon may be your friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'll let you use my Prime. I get a discount. Do you? I think well. I've got, I think I got a bunch of 10-inch stuff that they use for uh, for commercial ducting uh, out in the shop. I might have to pull some of that out. Well, pull it out and let's look at it. And uh, I, but I tell you, some of that, some of that uh, ducting, that plastic uh, duct, like you're talking about there. Uh, is expensive uh, on on Amazon. It's like two hundred dollars for a piece of it. Well, they got to pay my salary, man. Two hundred fifty dollars for it. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want yeah, a lot the metal. of that stuff that's used for venting is uh, is also aluminized. If you want that, because that'll short that coil out. Yeah, that's the one yeah. I can't I uh, can't use on with, with aluminum uh, or the yeah aluminum foil type. You know, flex. I think it's this gotta is be, clear plastic. Yeah, it's gotta be the right. plastic. Yep, it's gotta be the plastic. So you know, some people, and there's some there's some videos out there where people have tried to load a tree before. They'll drive a nail in a tree, and connect a wire to it, and they've done some tests and weren't very successful with it. Uh, another guy shows one where he puts a ground rod in the ground, and in about eight feet or nine feet up, he puts a nail in a tree, and he runs a wire up there, like he's shunt feeding the tree. But you know what? I'm a little uh, leery of that one. How do I know that that nine feet of wire is not radiating? How do I know? Yeah, you know, it's not, how do I know yeah. it's not the antenna? You know, so yeah. I want to be able to couple like the military did with the with the helical coil coupled air core toroidal coil. That's what I want to use. That's a mouthful. Right. That is a mouthful. I want to use that around that tree, and, and we'll do both. You know, we'll do we'll do a comparison test. You know, maybe move it move it. You know, a foot and a half over, get some uh, signals, put it back around a tree, get some signals. Maybe try different bands. I don't know a different size tree. I don't know it, with the tuner. I'm guessing any tree will tune just about anywhere. But uh, the military your analyzer on it, find where it's resonant. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I don't know if a tree is going to be resonant anywhere. Uh, well, the the wire will I mean, be. The, yeah, well, the coil will be. Yeah, the goal is to match the coil. You know, let well, it load the tree. Well, yeah, but yeah, you're right. So I'll, I'll take. Right? I've got a I got a network uh, vector analyzer here. We'll put that on here, and we'll get Alan to tell us how to read that sucker because I still can't read my in. <laughs> VA, Alan, it's got too much going on, it man. Yeah, yeah you haven't, uh, you haven't watched my videos yet. Well, I, you gave, you <laughs> gave, a, you gave a talk on the show one night about how to do it, but man, I mean, I gotta, I gotta just turn off all those other screens and keep it down to the basic SWR. You, you had circle charts and you had inductances and. Uh, yeah, you capacitances. Can put on what you want and take off oh, what you man. want. Yeah, I might, I might have to do that. I, I bought that thing and haven't even used it yet, so. We'll uh, we'll we'll figure it out there. I know I know where to get help if we need it. 
All right, hey, let's 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 just jump around the room here a minute. Let's see anybody got anything interesting you're talking about or want to talk about tonight. Hey, this could be show and tell. We could we could chat a little bit about my portable operating here, what uh, where yeah. I am, what I'm using. Yeah, uh, sure. Let's let's talk about that. Let's uh, let's see if you want to let me share my screen. I'll show you where I am and okay. do that. Thing. All, right, all right, let me turn it on. Alrighty. All right, you're on. You got it's it. This week. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go here first. So um, yeah. So here's. Just to kind of give you an idea where I am. There's Google Maps. You can see there's New York City, there's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm in New Jersey, of course. So we start zooming in here. Okay. So this island right here, from Barnegat Light all the way down to actually Holgate down at the bottom here, this is called Long Beach Island. It's about 18 miles long. And I'm up at the north end of this island. I'm actually in this area right here, High Bar Harbor. Uh, we vacation in there uh, yeah, just for this week. But uh, kind of over on the, the bay side, so we're, again, good 10, 15 degrees cooler than, uh, than where Rich is all the way up there in, uh, in North Jersey up here somewhere. So uh, he's, well, he's way up there, I think. <laughs> so anyway, that's where we're at. Um, and what we brought down here with me was uh, this guy here, uh, the ICOM 703. Looks a lot like the 706, 10 watts with a built-in tuner. Uh, great little rig. Uh, also brought with me uh, the QCX Plus. This is the large, physically larger version of the QCX Mini that uh, that Rick was talking about. Uh, functionally, circuit-wise, I think it's identical or pretty much identical, but this is in a larger, physically larger case. Um, and uh, made a couple of contacts with that thus far. I've got this little tiny little key that I brought with me because it all fits in the backpack. So this is a neat little uh, horse code key for all my CW operating. Uh, the antenna that I'm using is this guy right here, um, you know, the, the PAR Electronics, now it's now sold by Viperplex, but this little tri-band uh, 10, 20, and 40-meter uh, N-fed wire antenna, I've got it tied off to the second floor uh, uh, deck railing of, uh, of the house here at one end, and the other end is actually tied off to a mooring whip that's right at the water's edge, right next to the dock. So, of course, it's dark out here now, so I can't show it to you. And that antenna is, 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 gives me a good match on 10 and 20. And on 40, uh, it's cut a little bit short, so it's, it's resonant in the phone portion of the band, so it needs a little help in the CW portion. And I use this uh, MTech uh, ZM2 tuner uh, to give it that little bit of help on the lower end of 40 meters when I'm using the QCX. But, of course, the 703 has got a tuner built into it. So... Um, Anyway, so that's what we're running down here. Um, just about all of this stuff fits in a, a backpack that, uh, with a battery and a couple of other things like that. And that's, uh, that's what we're running down here. Um, we got down here, I guess, on Saturday afternoon. Of course, I didn't put the antenna up until about 930 at night. It was dark. You get, it's got to either be bad weather or dark in order to put an antenna up that's going to work, right? If you put it up in perfect weather, it's not going to work well. So I put the antenna up on uh, when it was dark on Saturday night. And uh, I'll tell you, Saturday night, 20 meters was hopping. Uh, on, on three watts, I was working all over the all over the United States, from Florida to Mississippi to Northern California, on three watts of power with this antenna that was uh, kind of a sloper configuration of an N-fed half wave. So... Um, Kind of fun stuff. Bands haven't been that good today. Um, I didn't get on late. I didn't get on tonight to see how it was, but uh, 
But I got my, let's see, I, well, I brought everything up here. Here's the little MTech, MTech tuner. Oh, yeah. Here's the QCX. The front panel, this is about as big as it is when uh, when you get the Mini, but this one is kind of a physically larger case. Got some feet on the bottom and uh, all the plugs in the back there instead of off to the side. Works really well. Give you a perspective how tiny this little key is. There's the, there's the little key. Okay, kind of a neat, cute little thing. And really one of the best actions, you know, really nice, good feelings key. A lot of the smaller keys I've used just don't feel that good uh, in sending. This thing sends and feels as good as a full-size key. And then, of course, this is the um, this is the 703. It looks just like and it's the same size as a 706, so it's a little heavy uh, for backpacking with. But uh, for portable operating, it's no big deal. I'm not carrying this thing in a backpack up a mountain or anything like that, but... Uh, but you know, 10 watts with a built-in tuner makes it really an ideal or deal rig. I've got a, you know, a, one of these like seven or eight amp hour um, uh, LifePo batteries, and I can run. I'll run all week on that before I got to charge it. It really does a great yeah. job. So uh, anyway, some fun stuff with some portable operating here uh, during the week. So I'm not exactly a beach bunny, so I'm not going to so, be laying out. Yeah, well, I, I, I never enjoyed laying out in the sun. I mean, we would go to Florida every year, and we'd get sunburned, and I hate it when the skin peels off, you know. Oh, man. Does that happen to you guys up there when you go to the beach up there? Uh, oh, yeah. My, my, I, I just turn I just turn as red as this shirt, and then I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you mentioned a LiPo battery there. Boy, they they can really pack some power into a LiPo battery. The it's just the, the weight of it. It's the same size 7-amp-hour gel cell, but it's less than half the weight of that. It's really man, just amazing you know, it's, uh, compared to the, the lead out. It's amazing, man. You know, in, in, in our balloons, I can I, I, I would test some here and take a little 300-milliamp uh, LiPo battery, and uh, the tracker might draw 40 milliamps constant, and that sucker will sit there for eight hours putting that 40 yeah. milliamps out, man. It just keeps going. I don't know. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, there's a lot of power in those batteries, and um, just uh, don't short one out in the in your shop, you know, or in your lab. Yeah, they, that, could, that would be bad, yes. They don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but do work well. I uh, I blew one up in the shot in in the in the uh, shack here one about a few years ago and uh, uh, I knew better but I've got a lab power supply and I put a lab power supply across it and I turned it down really low I thought I'm, you know I'm safe I'm safe walked out of the room next thing I hear a little explosion I oh, come I come so back I come back and the room is kind of smoky and it's toxic gas in here I can't breathe. I can't even get over to the window to open it because the toxic is so bad. One breath, I got the blinds up. I had to leave. I came back in with another breath to get the window up, and I had to leave. And I finally got a fan, you know, in the window to try to pull that out. But uh, those lipos are dangerous, guys. And if you want to know how dangerous they are, take one of your old phone batteries. There's people on YouTube do this all the time. Do not try this at home. Only crazies no. on YouTube. Take take a lipo battery, lay it on the ground out there, and hit it with a ball peen hammer, and just watch it. And and run. Yeah, and run. Yeah, that's a hot fire coming out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. It's a very it's a very energetic reaction. 
Yeah, I, I had little pieces of metal everywhere. I think they were on fire. Uh, uh -huh. Luckily, it didn't it didn't set the rug or anything on fire. I was lucky; it was a very small battery. But can you imagine doing that with a big battery? Oh man! You know, a lot of those guys who fly those in radio-controlled uh, aircraft, they uh, they charge those. They have a dedicated Pyrex dish that they put those in and mm. put the lid on it and just run the run the uh, charge leads in. And charge those up, and a lot of guys actually have like a fireproof, a small like a fireproof closet safe. Yeah, and they'll store those batteries in there and charge those batteries in there. Oh man, well, wow. Hey, let me make a quick announcement here, and then we'll jump back to uh, the round table here in the free for all. Uh, you're listening and watching Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, amateur radio. And if you're listening out there on shoreway, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. And uh, if you have internet out there and you want to join the show live sometime, uh, just go to YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash w5kub, and you can watch the show. And we have a chat room, and uh, we'll be glad to have you there. All right. Oh, and hit the subscribe button. If you're new in here, hit the subscribe button if you hadn't done it yet. Now, what was I going to say? Well, you know, if y'all are going to do that with the big battery, I'll hold the camera and your beer. Yeah. Well, I don't drink, so you won't have to hold my beer, but... Oh, no. If you do this, you're going to have to say, here, you can, hold you my can beer hold my, You can this. hold my Coke, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and while you're doing that, go ahead and lay a pipe wrench across your car battery terminals, too, while you're yeah, doing Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a comparison. Sure. All right. Load up good. Load up okay, what good. else? Who else we got in, in the room here? Let, let me go out to uh, John. Are you still with us there in Russellville? Is John still with yes. us? Yes. There he is. Guys, this is my. Every time I see John now, I can't believe it. I've never seen John like this. Last time I saw him, he was clean shaved and nice haircut. This don't, I don't think this is John, to tell you the truth. This is my friend. This is my old friend from uh, when I went to college 50 years ago. I was in either the first or second uh, uh, year of school, and John was in high school and was a ham, and I met him, and you know how hams, you know, we do things together. And uh, uh, it's been cool connecting back up with John after years and talking about uh, the college where I went to over there and we're going to plan a trip over there maybe in about a month and see what's changed and what hadn't changed and uh, just look around and hey John we'll probably go up on Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo is a, a mountain with a plateau on top and uh, what's that what's the altitude about is it like 2,000? It's know. about 1,800 uh Right at 2,000, about 1,800 feet. Okay. We've had a lot of good memories up there over the years doing uh, the VHF sweepstakes, the VHF contest. And uh, for September, the guys from Memphis, you know WB4LHD and yep. that group? They're they all... come over in September and they rent a house right there. Right, right. Sunrise that's Rick. Point, that's and Rick. they do the whole contest. That's Rick and Randy, uh, LHD, that's low-hanging drawers. Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't think uh, Day. I don't think Damon would, goes with them. That's hot Friday night. Uh, but Randy, uh, Randy, and others—they've been going over every year. And for the v as you mentioned, the VHF contest. And it, hey, there's a cottage up there. It's flat, 
land up there and they're 2,000 feet high and it's just a great place man for VHF contest uh, you know to to be going on so when I come over there I, I probably Kathy and I probably will go up the top uh, if I remember it's a little two-lane road that really really winds back and forth to go to the top man it is. There's lots of switchbacks up there, and uh, they used to have bicycle races up there uh, for the uh, Mount Nebo huh. chicken fry, uh, if you'll remember that. But they quit doing the uh, the chicken chicken fry up there. But they still occasionally will have bicycle races up there. And uh, anyway, yes, you can go up and uh, and and go around. That's where our repeater is. We've got a UHF VHF repeater and also a DMR yeah, repeater. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons I almost got drafted in my third year of college is because I did stuff like going up to Mount Nebo and stuff. But I can remember one time, I should not have ever done this, man. I remember one time, my roommate there at college, he had a Chevy Super Sport. I really thought those cars with the SS on there, oh, man, that's the car to have, man, the Super Sport, man. Uh, you know, but uh, I had a little Buick Special. But anyway, I remember he and I coming down that mountain, and I think we were almost racing down the mountain, man. I mean, coming down that little curvy two-lane road around that mountain, 2,000 feet high, I should have never done it. I'll, I'll never do it again. I don't even know if I want to drive up there again, to tell you the truth. You, you'll enjoy it. You need to. You need to go up. They've made lots of innovation uh things up there they've done lots of improvement they've uh, they've got a lot of new cabins there's lots of houses that you can rent up there so uh yes you'll enjoy uh, you'll enjoy the nebo trip yeah well we'll uh, we'll definitely do it when we get there that's that's for sure there man hey i'm so glad we hooked up with you hey i know you guys had a net tonight how'd your net go well, I didn't check in on the net. I was here with you. Well, that's true. Well, I, I sent you guys a note and said, you know, after your net, you know, come over and join us. I, I didn't mean to take you guys from from your net. It's well, okay. Yeah. Well, all right. So, hey, tell us about your uh, ham club here in Russellville. Uh, and I, I, I'll come over here one day and meet with you guys. Uh, but, but how many people you got there now? And... Uh, because uh, you know all the most all the hams I know over there, they're they're gone now. I mean, you know, they got old. I mean, well, I'm that, old. That's true. We talked about some of yeah. them: Dick Spencer, yeah. Harry Kastner, uh, Bill Davis. If you remember him, uh, Al Simpson, that was one of our club members back then. You know, he lives in Memphis, WA five TJB. I talked to him during the Arkansas QSO party. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh, but our radio club is uh, is going strong. It's Arkansas River Valley Amateur Radio Foundation. I'm the president of the club, and we uh, we had our first meeting last Tuesday night in over a year since uh, since COVID, and uh, I was blown away. We didn't meet at a restaurant, but I was blown away at the number of people that came. We met at the uh, uh, OEM uh, Marine Rescue Building just west of town, and I couldn't believe the number of people. It was standing room only there wasn't any social distancing in our room but uh everybody wore their mask coming in and then they kind of took them off as the meeting kept going and uh but the but the meeting turned out really good and we're making our plans for field day and we're going to have field day at washburn park that park that's right at the intersection of dyke road and uh, highway 64 well all right man uh, i gotta get over here. i just gotta get over here 
Brings back memories. Brings back memories, man. Uh, hey, a little electronic tidbit story. Somewhere over there, John, I don't know where it was. It was out from Russellville, near the lake somewhere. We found, it looked like a military, looked like a barracks, but it was empty. Yeah. It was, all, it was, this, it was all by itself. And I, I guess it was probably Corps of Engineers. And we, we, we came up on this thing because, you know, the Corps of Engineers built the lake. They built the dam across the Arkansas River. They flooded billions of acres. Uh, we found this, this uh, building. It was vacant. We went in it. And I found a, a canister about eight inches tall and maybe a couple inches in diameter. A green canister like uh, olive drab color, you know, military color. Didn't know what it was. So I, well, I take it back. We go back to our room at the dorm there at college. And here I am sitting in the middle of the floor. I think we had tile floors in. I'm not sure. But I'm, here I am with a thing trying to get it open. I'm trying to get the top off of it. And I don't know where I got a hammer from. But uh, I had a hammer. I'm always prepared, you know. But anyway, I hit that sucker and I knocked that, I knocked that top off of it. And it was full of gunpowder. Gunpowder. I'm not an expert on what kind of powder it was, but it was gunpowder. And later, my my roommate and I, we went and actually exploded it. We went up there on, um, there's a little road, is it called Skyline Ridge or something? Or that goes, yes, that goes yes, across the mountain. up there. We went, we went way up there somewhere. We took this thing. You know, back then your 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 cameras had flash bulbs. You know, we took a flash bulb and busted the flash bulb, and we put that bulb down in that gunpowder, and we ran a wire back. And we were like a hundred feet away, and we touched it to the car battery, and that sucker blew up big time. So I'm lucky I'm here. I was hitting that thing and busting it open with a hammer on the yeah, gunpowder and hammer. What could possibly go wrong? That's right. I uh, you know. No spark. I know where that I know where that place is. It's when you get go across the causeway like you're headed to London on Highway 64. Yeah. And right there at that place called Dwight Mission, you turn to the right and you go back in that little uh, piece of woods between the lake and the uh, Interstate 40. Well, yeah, hey, I'm glad you knew. I, I was thinking I would never. Is it still there? The building still there? I wonder. Or? Well, I haven't been there in like 40 years, Okay, but that well, was the uh, Army ROTC uh, barrack stuff for Arkansas Tech back when the ROTC program was really going strong. But it, it was out in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't like yes. it. Yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere, man. It was like an Army barracks. That's it. All by itself. And you're right, it was kind of toward London and off to the north a little bit, northwest, somewhere out there. I don't know where it was. But that was it, man. So you know it. Okay, man. Well, whew. hey, it feels good to try to put some closure to some of these things that, that I've been thinking about, you know. Hey, John. Well, we can talk about other things, but see, the statute of limitations hadn't run out on everything. Well, so. I guess that's true. I, I guess for murder, it don't ever run out, does it? No. no. So, But oh, we man. can still talk about lots of other things when, well, when you we, get we, here. It'll be we great. We definitely can't. 
Oh, yeah. hey, hey, okay, well, okay. Let, let's see if we can bring Alan in. And you know, Alan probably, now, Alan, Alan probably has a story like you. Let me tell you just another quick story about college since I got John, my buddy, on here. In, in balloons, and I mentioned this before, but we were we were flying some balloons in college back 1966. And hey, back then you could go over to the chemistry lab at night. The, the doors weren't locked. You could go in. You could work. You could do your labs. Nobody cared. Anyway, so we'd built this big balloon up, kind of like you saw in my garage here, and we were putting natural gas in it from the Burnson burner. And, we were flying these suckers, and my buddy I was talking to you about that worked at the FAA, the ham radio guy worked for the FAA, he contacted Little Rock, told him that um, we're going to be flying a target and to see if Little Rock could pick it up on radar. And the next thing I know, we're in the dean's office. We got called to the dean's office that we shouldn't be flying those things. I don't know, wow. why, you, I don't know why you can't fly a balloon with natural gas in it. No. Nah. Hey, John, there's a question in the chat room for you from uh, Chris Medlin. Uh, is there still a club up there at uh, Clarksville, Arkansas? There's a real loose club up there, but most of those guys in uh, Clarksville come down to uh, to our club. The one in, the one in Russellville. Okay, thanks. And the chemistry lab, that was Dr. Wilcutt and Dr. Trigg. That uh, William Bill Trigg or William Trigg is the ones that took care of the chemistry stuff. And Dr. Bronco, do you remember him in the physics department? Uh, John, uh, my my I don't know if it was my chemistry teacher or my physics teacher. He helped work on the atomic bomb. I don't know. He had white hair, and I think I, I don't know if he had a beard. I don't remember much, but. Our rooms there, our, our our chemistry room, we had blackboards, chalkboards across the front. We had two doors on the back, each side, where you could come in and chairs between. And all he would do, he was the most boring guy. He would write with that chalk on a blackboard. All the, he'd go, nee, 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 and he was so boring. And we would have maybe 20 people in class. And before class was over, there may be three left. They would slip out the back door, and he would never say anything about it. One time, some people jumped up to go out the door, and he turned the desk over. I can remember these kind of things, you know. Mm. Wow. Oh, well. That was over in McKeever Hall. I, I, yeah, I guess so. Probably so. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I want to go back and redo those days. <laughs> oh, well, man. I think Alan's, Alan's still here. Alan, did, did you do anything crazy in school? Well, I, I was just thinking, I'm not sure if I told this story before, but I think I was in high school and knew enough about electronics to be dangerous, literally. And uh, I was working in a TV repair shop and, uh, at, you know, after school. And uh, all the old TV carcasses I was bringing home to pull the wire and parts out of and things like that, I mm -hmm. used to, you know, the wire that for the uh, deflection the for a shortwave antenna. Oh, yeah, that kind yeah. Of was, but back, back then, you know, the indicators, like for the behind the channel selector knob, were neon bulbs. They weren't LEDs back then, right? Mm -hmm. But like LEDs, you have to have a series resistor, you know, ballast resistor to kind of limit the current. Through. But, you know, I didn't know enough to know how to calculate that. So I'd taken a whole pile of carbon comp resistors and all that I had in my, my junk box and soldered them all together in a row 
put a little neon, you know, any two bulb at the end of it and took a, an extension cord and stripped the ends off and put alligator clips on it, as you do, and uh, put one end at the, the neon bulb at one end and then uh, was holding the other end and going down through the resistors watching how bright the bulb was and getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And then I went past the last resistor. And the bulb blew up and a little bits of molten molten uh, glass in in, uh, mm-hmm. in my room and had a quick run downstairs and replace the fuse in the fuse block that I blew before my mom realized what I was doing. So, but uh, we didn't do anything like uh, blow up uh, boxes of gunpowder or anything like that. But we we did have some fun with electronics. All right. Well, I can see you just you didn't get into a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got to take off here. All right. I know you're on vacation, man. Go see the go see the family and uh, you know. All right. Do the vacation thing, man. All right. Good to see All everybody. Right. Good to see you, man. Thanks. Take care. Good night. All right. One more down. Let's see who we got here. We still have Mark with us. We've got uh, John with us. The statute of limitations hasn't run out on some of the stuff I did, so I really can't tell you the fun stuff. You can't? <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Let's see what we got here. We've got. Uh, but I will tell you one thing I did. I was playing with balloons, you know, as a teenager, and uh, you know, back then you did the tissue paper balloons and the balsa wood, and you you filled them with helium, or you made a little hot air balloon. Well, I don't know what I was thinking, but I had my little chemistry set, and I was making hydrogen all day long, and so I said, "Oh, we're going to fill this balloon with hydrogen." And we're going to yeah. use hot air to help give it some more lift. So we're going to put a little flame beneath it. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> that thing went up faster than the Hindenburg. <laughs> well, you know, I, hey, I heard if you put enough thrust behind anything, it'll fly. <laughs> you know? It flew for all about two seconds. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Mark, what's going on out there in Norman, Oklahoma? Norman, right? Norman. Yep, Norman, Oklahoma is still doing its thing. We're uh, we're getting ready for field day around here. It's about a month out. Yeah, everybody's uh, everybody's getting excited for. They were, uh, John was talking earlier about getting out and seeing people again. That's probably going to be our first big event back in the in the uh, groove with everybody. Uh, we've got a group here in Norman, uh, uh, South Canadian Amateur Radio Society, about two hundred folks. Um, we draw from four or five counties in the area, and probably about. Oh, twelve, thirteen hundred 1300 on a newsletter bunch and wow we usually yeah. bring in, yeah we usually bring in about 13 or 100 and, 110 or so field day folks and we'll run uh we, we run out of the fire training center here in uh norman and a uh, good relationship with all the locals and mm-hmm. we have a uh we've got a, about a 40 foot tower that we have at that facility um and a 60 foot tower which is what the firemen train off of so we can go up there and and run some uh, antennas off of that tower to the base and got a, a couple guys with some portable 50 foot towers and portable air conditioners and portable generators and, uh, now your, big, the tower are they are they towers that you take with you or are they already in place uh, the, the the fire department tower is already in place. That's one of those buildings that the fire guys climb up, and they uh, they burn it down every time they do a training. Uh, okay. But it's all steel, so the thing stays together. Yeah. But the the other portable towers are trailer mounted towers. We've got okay. a, a couple fifty foot uh, trailer mounted towers that people put together and uh, hook those up and 
So for used uh, for that event for field day here, um, a group uh, brings out a a mobile tower. I think it's I don't know if it's part of Homeland Security or it's some type of government deal. It's one of those agencies. Yes, yeah, one of the agencies. <laughs> and let, let me tell you how this tower works. They're going to arrest you. Let me tell you how this tower works. It actually builds the tower as it goes up. It, you know, the three sides, the legs, the three sides, they uh -huh. all they're all apart and they're all stored. And as this thing goes up, Glenn, you know what I'm talking about. As this thing goes up, it yeah. it it picks it picks and puts these sides together and it raises it and picks and puts the sides together and it raises it. And uh, when it's down, it's all collapsed and uh, all folded up. Yeah, what it does is it takes about three foot sections of tower and just pulls them out. There's like three feeders and it takes the three a section of three foot tower, sticks it up and then puts another one underneath and another one underneath. And then when it comes down, it actually does the reverse and pulls them apart and sticks them back in their little slots. Talk about hold my beer and watch this. Yeah, oh, man, and, and I've got cool. I've got a video somewhere of that, and maybe we we'll, need that video. We'll that we'll do that, that again here uh, when Field Day comes around. And, That's uh, a good Rube Goldberg. That oh, uh, it was it's not even it's not even tower section. It's just pieces, and this sucker puts it together as it goes up, man. It yeah. just it's it's amazing. Yeah, it is we'll cool. to see. And and, and it goes up. Our, it goes up. It's a quite a tall tower too. Big tower. Yeah. Yeah, these are uh, Ron towers that people have uh, made telescoping and uh, tilting. One of them's a Ron twenty-five, and then the other one's a one of those light towers from you know the the the, the road guys have on the side of the road with a big generator. Um, mm -hmm. They've used one of those light tower um, trailers and pulled the the tower off of it and made a trailer out of it. So a um, lot of lot of ingenuity. It's always fun to see those guys doing it. They. Uh, We've got access to the city of Moore has a great great, uh, great communications tra uh, truck. I don't know what it is, six hundred thousand dollar communications truck mm -hmm. that they bring down, and and uh, it has a forty five foot pneumatic mast on the back of it, and uh, uh, other other trailers, and we've got portable air conditioners because in Oklahoma usually we get plenty of heat on field day. As long as you can oh, keep yeah. the heat under control, you got it made. Oh yeah. It gets warm out there for sure. Yeah, yeah. I bet you remember the Altas days. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember. I was in the uh, I was in the Fourth Mob. It was a mobile con group, and um, uh, we would go out to set up a base. We maybe get called in the middle of the night, and we'd go somewhere and set up a complete air base. We'd take our air traffic controller with us. Uh, I was in communications. We'd take radio vans, uh, teletype machines, the radios. We'd put the antennas up. Uh, motor pool, everything, you know, would convoy there. And, uh, uh, yeah, all the vans that we would take out on these deployments had air conditioners in them. And uh, uh, I don't even think they had a window in them. It was just a van with a door and, yeah. uh, and uh, air conditioned. And uh, But, you know, all that time, and I was a ham back then, I never really got with any of those guys that just operated the KWM2s or the radios. And, uh, but... Uh, it was interesting uh, uh, time, and yeah, it was hot out there, and we get we had a lot of tornadoes out there too. Um, I think uh, we had one night, one night there we had 
19 tornadoes one night there at Altus and they announced over the radio that they've turned off the sirens to let them cool. <laughs> so how's, yeah. how's the tornado situation there at Norman? You're not that far away. No, tornado, we're in the middle of actually Tornado Alley. It's, it's yeah. supposedly I-35, 50 miles either side of I-35 uh, through the state. And we're the highest concentration of tornadoes in the, in the free world, I think. Um, but uh, we, the National Severe Storms Laboratory and the uh, National Weather Center is here in town. Uh, There's a seven-story building that uh, we've got antennas. We've got amateur radio antennas on top of the building. But uh, we use them um, to do some weather uh, stuff when we're, we're uh, doing communications. But we just had actually probably three weeks ago, we just had a swath come through town probably six or eight miles long, probably a half a mile wide of baseball size hail that rang for over a half an hour that's bad and, uh, it went through we have an area by the interstate that is called the mile of cars and there's literally a mile of cars um uh, in a row and it wiped out every car on that uh place wow they're they're talking about 500 million dollars worth of damage uh, wow on that, on that one little event and that little 30 minute piece and uh, everybody's getting new roofs. Uh, my my mother was in that area. She's got six windows that are knocked out, uh, roofs damaged, air conditioner compressor was uh, uh, ruined. Uh, everything. The insurance man says, "I'll just mark everything outside, and then we'll go from there." Yeah. Mm, <laughs> man, oh man. So yeah, we get a lot of damage. More is just up the road. And that's one that's had the big, oh, the big nationally known tornadoes. And that's just. Uh, about a mile and a half from my office where it hit and um, we've it, you know those are terrible powerful um, acts of nature and uh, you know when you've seen cars picked up and thrown right in front of you like uh, like there's nothing to them you realize how much power is involved does the uh, ham radio community uh, get involved very much in those type things yeah, we do. Yes, we have a lot of uh, a lot of Aries members, a lot of uh, uh, emergency communications. We'll probably we'll probably have between those listening online and listening on the radio. We, we usually estimate two hundred uh, to two hundred twenty five people uh, involved in those uh, heavy weather days. And uh, we've we're part of the uh, weather service uh, NWS chat, uh, so we can put our uh, results straight into the chat room. Um, and then the M ping. I don't know if you do, if you know what M ping is, but that's an application that the NWS has. That's a great thing to uh, that's crowdsourced. You can put in the the results that you have in your area, and uh, match it with everybody else's. And it's it's wonderful for that. Of course, you know we've we've had the stuff with the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, you know, from yeah, twenty five yeah. years ago, uh, we had a lot of ham involvement there. We actually run a. Uh, uh, Memorial Marathon every year, and that's coming mm -hmm. up in October, where we have 110 hams that provide that we do all of the communications for the route um, uh, for a full-blown 26.2 mile uh, marathon. So, well, tell, the, uh, tell us uh, tell us a little about uh, the aerospace uh, department there at the University of Oklahoma. I know I've worked with you guys some and uh, with some of the students there to try to get some balloons off. Uh, how are they doing, and uh, are they still involved in that, or are they moving on to something else now? That we, What we did was a, a capstone project with the University of Oklahoma's Aerospace Department, um, Dr. Thomas Hayes, uh, KI-5AIF, 
is a uh, is a ham, and he had one of the capstone projects. I think they had four or five, and one of them was involved balloons uh, from an aerospace, and their job was to build balloons and watch them track. They have uh, finished for the semester. They've turned in their projects. Um, we've got information. I've got it on our SCARS page, w5nor.org slash balloon. If anybody wants to go look at that stuff, there's a video that presentation that they finally ended up with. But um, they put four balloons up, and they got uh, one of them to probably 100 miles, one of them to uh, northwest or northeast Arkansas, and one of them made it to Newfoundland and got in a big storm up there. Yeah. And then another one got in a big storm up by uh, northern Erie, uh, Lake Erie, just made it in Canada up there. So they put up uh, party balloons, and they put up, uh, I think they put up three uh, over the same Chinese big balloons and um, three mm-hmm. uh, and then one party balloon, double party balloon thing. And had a great time. We appreciate man. They told me when they finished, they appreciated your assistance. And thank you very much for uh, coming to join them on a couple. Well, of I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed helping them. You know, one of the things and Bill Brown was telling me, and I don't know where it's gone with this, but uh, there's so much activity now with the Pico balloons that the the weather service is starting to take interest in what the hams are doing with the pico balloons because we use a lot of their models to see where this balloon is going to go but uh their models can be you know improved um i mean they can't tell you what the area is every single foot everywhere around the world there's just no way so uh they're thinking that the ham radio uh, balloons can help them to make improvements in your in your models so that's uh, interesting yeah, I think I think that data would be wonderful to, to pipe into their network. A couple of our hams are work for the weather service, and they're looking at doing remote sensing uh, pieces. And they're doing things like they take GOES satellite data, and they look at the air temperatures at various levels, and they're trying to integrate that into the models so that where they don't have balloons, they can integrate um, the balloon uh, the da- the balloon data from the satellite data. And uh, one of one of our guys is um, has some of the Whisper Light um, uh, devices, and he's working on a great big box kite that he can run the box kite up in the air mm-hmm. and just park it around for uh, uh, f- for, for sending down data to the ground. And, box kites are uh, interesting. We'll talk about that in just a minute. I, I forgot to put the phone number up on the screen earlier tonight in case someone wanted to call in. I just put the phone number up there, guys. If you want to call us, give us a call. We're going to be here another 15 minutes uh, until our time slot ends on shortwave. Uh, number is 712-775-7270. And you'll have to put in a code uh, there to get into the show. Talking about box kites, uh, box kite, um, my first experience as a kid was with uh, some uh, military surplus, and that was a Gibson Girl transmitter, and uh, people may not know what a Gibson Girl transmitter is, but it was used, I guess, in a raft. It was a little yellow uh, transmitter. It was curved on the side. You could put it between your legs and knees right there, and you could turn a crank on it, and it would automatically send out a distress signal on different frequencies. It had a little door that opened up and it had a reel of wire in it. And with that Gibson girl in the pouch, in that Gibson girl, you got a box kite you could put together and you got two hydrogen balloons that you could use. 
Now the hydrogen balloons were were uh, just you know rubber balloons. They they would inflate to about three feet, three four feet in diameter. And we had some hydrogen uh, canisters that came with it. You'd screw the little pipe on the hydrogen canister, put the balloon on it, and you'd set that canister down in the water, and it would start bubbling, and it would make hydrogen, and it would fill the balloon up, and that balloon was supposed to uh, it was supposed to uh, connect on your antenna and take it out, like if you're in the ocean and that's your antenna. And the same thing with the box kite. Uh, the box kites uh, uh, had little aluminum tubes. All four sides were little aluminum tubes that would go together. And they had a cloth, cloth box kite. And uh, from that, I learned about box kites. And I started building some. And uh, uh, the box kites are very, very uh, easy to fly. And they can hold stuff up in the air. And you were talking just about that just, just then. Yep. that's We've got one guy that's actually see. Uh, building his own that's, uh, that's using titanium rods for the actual yeah. vertical rod part of that thing. And, All right. Uh, who, do we have, uh, who do we have on a telephone? Uh, you got uh, you got KB3's DVH, uh, Richard in in Erie, Pennsylvania. Hey, Richard, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing real good. Yeah, yeah, you guys are uh, reminiscing. I remember uh, a story uh, in seventh grade. It was in our science class, and the uh, science teacher was working uh, with hydrogen, had it in a beaker. Lit, lit it with the match. You know, he brought yeah. me the beaker blew up. I mean, oh, shards of glass were flying everywhere. The boom was like, like unbelievable. I mean, even the school principal came in wondering what the heck just happened. Oh man! And uh, uh, poor the poor teacher had to be take, taken to the emergency room because he had shards of glass in his hand and everything. Well, you know, my my and, science teacher, my science teacher used to do that. But if I remember right, there were some kind of thick bottles, and we would do the electrolysis where you know one side would be oxygen, one side would be hydrogen. And he would he would take a match and stick it up there, and it would pop. You know, I think what your teacher did there with a flask probably the uh, had too much gas, and the glass was too thin. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Wow, man. And, hey, I got some good news for you. What's that? Uh, last last week uh, when they had the contest university. Oh uh, yeah. I found out that I was the first winner. You of the uh, seventy three hundred. seventy three hundred. You, you won the seventy three hundred. Yes, man. Yeah. Cool. Oh, man, that's yeah. nice. Oh. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for. She said she was going to uh, ship them out today, so I'm hoping tomorrow's Christmas. Well, I've got a seventy three hundred here. It's a beautiful little radio. You'll you'll really love it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away. I almost fell out of bed when when they called my name, my call letters. <laughs> yeah. That was unreal. That is uh, that's that's wonderful, man. Congratulations, yeah. there. Yeah. Unfortunately, we just lost that teacher uh, uh, about two years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but I still remember that. I'm going to be. Uh, oh, I, I just collected my first Social Security check. And uh, so, uh, you know, you could tell how many years ago that was, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Well, that's what we've been doing tonight, kind of reminiscing, and uh, I hooked up here with uh, my buddy from 50 years ago, man, and he's got a better memory than me, but 
he he knows what I'm talking about. I think, man, you know. Yeah, funny thing is, I remember 50 years ago, but uh, I can't remember what I just did 10 minutes ago. Well, that that's uh, <laughs> true too, man. That 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 happens too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll let you go so you can get to the next. Part. All right, man. Thanks for uh, uh, thanks for everybody. calling in here. We're 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 going to be on here for another uh, five or six minutes. If anybody else wants to give us a call, the number is on the screen. Give us a, a phone call. Is there anybody on Zoom that wants to jump in here and say something? We had a couple other people join us. Let me turn it Anthony's down. Anthony's been awful quiet tonight. So's Don. You know, I, Anthony is is very faithful. He's on our net every week, man. I talk to Anthony every single week, and he really follows the show here. He's Anthony's in a HOA there, I think. And you know, his antenna, what his antenna is, he's got an antenna. I think it's a, uh, I think it's an off-center fed, and it's laying a cr- uh, down the top of a wooden fence. It's on a wooden fence. Cedar. What is it? Cedar. A cedar fence. A cedar fence. Yeah, cedar fence. And let me tell you, I hear him every week. He checks in and that. So look, if you're interested in knowing how how a, a antenna will work down near the ground, hidden on top of a fence, this is a guy here that uh, knows how to do it. I call it a magic antenna. It is magic, yeah, yeah. It 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 uh, doesn't uh, conform to logic and science, and it's got a mind of its own. But Tom, I do want to say thank you for allowing me to participate in this evening's uh, podcast. I did just send you an email uh, regarding a. It happened about a couple months ago. You know, uh, Mike, the founder and owner from M Squared Antennas. I don't uh, know him A6, personally. A6, NYC? No. I, I don't know him uh, personally. We've probably met, but... Right. Well, yeah. I'm sure you've probably heard of his, his radio, his antennas and, and so forth that he does for his business. Uh-huh. He had, a, he had a, uh, a, a mishap or an accident that almost took his life down from a... From a uh, he was trying to work on his um, crank... Uh, type tilt uh, yeah. tower. Oh man! Right down, he had it leaning. And if you go to the website that I sent you, you can read the whole article. And, okay. and, the, and the picture doesn't do justice. Well, I'll tell you, this hobby has some danger in it. And uh, yes. when you look back, when I look back 50 years ago, 40 years ago, the things I did, I had no business doing it. And uh, I see new young hams all the time getting their license, they're getting their tech license. And the first thing they're doing, they're going out and buying some rotten tower somewhere that's rusty or it's about to fall down and somebody gives it to them and they're going to put it up. And um, I had a friend that was a lineman uh, for many years and uh, he had the safety belts and everything. And, you know, he taught me, he says, you got you to... Gotta, you gotta, uh, uh, Tell it, you know, go up there and threaten it. Tell it to fall. Get up there and shake it. Tell it to fall, you know. And uh, he said, you know, be the boss. And but anyway, I, I put up my own tower, uh, about 80 feet worth, and uh, I did stuff up there I should not have done. Uh, looking back now, I wish I had never done it. I, I survived it, but uh, it's dangerous, man. If you don't know what you're doing, an accident can occur at any second and it doesn't even have to be your fault you know I saw one video where a, uh, uh, 
a gin pole actually it started falling it, it tilted a gin pole fell like this and it snapped it snapped a guy wire and the whole tower came down with a guy on it so stuff like that happens all the time so man just you know if you knew him you don't need a tower man I don't have a tower anymore at this home I use all wire antennas I shoot my my lines over these tree limbs 100 feet in the air and uh, I use wire antennas, experiment with all kinds of wire antennas, verticals and uh, extended double zeps and inverted Vs and fan dipoles and delta loops. And I have as much fun with those, actually I have more fun with those than I had when I had a tower up and a tri-band beam up there. And if you don't have the two sitting next to each other, you're not going to know the difference. Um, so it's unfortunate that accidents like that do happen. Uh, we wish him he, the best. Yeah. He stepped. He stepped a, a back to, to to get another angle before the tower, um, before the bolt sheared, and 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 went down down to the ground. And and the freaking his his um his antennas were 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 still being um. With the amount of force and and weight, yeah. it was being dug into the ground while the freaking tower was still collapsed, was still pushing yeah, it into yeah. the ground, and everything was just going. Well, pieces of metal was was flying everywhere like shrapnel. I guess I've led a crazy life. Uh, I'm lucky. Uh, I, you know, I had several repeaters over the years, and we eventually put them on top of a water tower uh, in my hometown. Also, put them on a 200 foot. Um, self-supporting tower at the county courthouse but uh, in the early days we put uh, two antennas we didn't have a duplexer so we put two antennas on my tower separated and uh, we did it in the winter time it was sleeting it was cold it was raining there was ice on the tower and we climbed it anyway and my friend went up to put the top one up and he was up there so long, and I kept asking him, you know, what, what's going on? What's going on? He says, I'm warming my hands. He had his hands in his pocket. And while he was up there, he swallowed a lock washer. I guess he had the, the nuts and the washers in the mouth. He swallowed a lock washer. And, you know, while I'm telling on myself here, I'll just mention this. I have, I have climbed past a wasp nest on a tower and went above it. That's not a smart thing to do, you know. Man, Tom, Tom, it is a miracle you are still with us. You know, that's not a that's not a that's not a th you know thing to do. Climb climb past a wasp nest. Oh, you know this is recorded, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just telling people, you know, do do as I say, not as I do. Okay. I think he is saving some of these. I, I'm stores. saving some of these new guys. I'm saving some new guys, man. Let me tell you. Yeah, do, do, it, do as I say, not as I do. That's that's uh, my my thing here. Okay, hey guys, we got one minute till sign off on shortwave. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, and we're on WBCQ on 7490 kilohertz. Uh, tune in next week and uh, uh, join us again and. Uh, uh, we thank you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, good night to everybody out there on shortwave. And we'll night. see. See you next week. 
And hey, guys, stick around a second on uh, on the remote here, if you will, John, if you're still here. Uh, we'll go ahead and end the show here. Save me through to everybody out in the chat room. Uh, and glad uh, glad you guys joined us. We usually start up about 30 minutes early uh, and kind of have a uh, pre-show kind of warm-up deal. Uh, let's see if I can get it uh, working here. And I think we are, okay, we're live here now. Let's see if we can get a little music playing here. Let's see. Um, thinking about tech in the 60s. Let me see. Let's see what this sounds like. Right here.
fence pencil in, I guess, right? Well, or that was the foxhole uh, one. That was the foxhole yeah. one. Uh, hello to everybody out there and good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm Tom, W5KUB, and this is Amateur Radio Roundtable. If you're out there listening on shortwave station WBCQ tonight, we'd love to hear from uh, hear from you where you are. Uh, send us a, a report. Uh, tell us how you're hearing the station. WBCQ is transmitting uh, from the coast of uh, Maine and Canada up in the very northeast uh, part of the U.S. here. And I uh, would love to uh, love to hear from you. Send us a note to Tom at W5KUB.com. And uh, we're, uh, we're just so glad you're with us uh, tonight. Um, just very quickly here, I need you guys to do something for me uh, if you haven't already done it. And I would like for you to hit the subscribe button. You need to hit the subscribe button because it helps us to rank our show. And the more subscriptions we get, the more YouTube will advertise us and bring people into the show. So uh, please do that uh, for us. Hit the subscribe button. And uh, also we'd like to uh, uh, invite you to join our Facebook group. We've got a Facebook group uh, that has over 12,000 hams in it. And it's basically created for the show. That group is called Amateur Radio Roundtable, but that's too much to type in. Just type in W5KUB, and it'll take you to YouTube to to that uh, to that ham radio group. We'd love to have you, and we'll approve you. So uh, please do that. Going to have kind of a different show tonight. I kind of named it the Gathering because I'm trying to see uh, how many different people we can have out there uh, join us on uh, Zoom tonight. Uh, if you'd like to join us on Zoom tonight, uh, send me an email right now. We're monitoring the email. And uh, send us an email. You may, have seen the, uh, you may have seen the posting we did. But send an email to tom at w5kb.com. And we'll send you back a Zoom link uh, that you can connect to in the show. And we've got a number of people that have already connected into the show. But just uh, uh, go ahead and, uh, and do that. Uh, Let's see, the net tonight, 40-meter net tonight, was terrible. The band conditions were terrible. Lots of static. I think we got some rain coming in. I think we had four or five check-ins, and I just called it quits uh, tonight. Um, lots of things tonight. We're going to see what's in CQ next uh, month. We're going to talk about the uh, Young Ham of the Year. Uh, I've got a, a short video where we took the... Uh, Test balloon W5KB27 to to destruction. Uh, that, that's that's a fun experiment. 
And uh, then we're going to get into just regular ham radio stuff. I've got one of my friends on here uh, on on Zoom tonight that uh, I met when he was in high school, and I was uh, either a freshman or sophomore in college uh, over in his town, Russellville, Arkansas. There at Arkansas Tech, and. Uh, we were just hashing back and forth some old memories from 50 years ago, and uh, I'm playing a trip over there soon. Uh, let's see. Um, I guess that is probably about all the announcements I have. Let's just jump around the room real quick. Let's just see who we got in the room tonight in in the uh, thing here. So I'm gonna. Looks like to me we've got uh, we got Mark up here for. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Well, you're muted, Mike. Your your mic is muted. Your mic is muted, Mark. Your mic is still muted, Mark. There we go. I, good to hear. Good to hear you from there we Oklahoma, go. Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, man. Here's some updates on some balloons. We did some balloons with you. Yeah. A couple months ago with the OU students, and that went well. Appreciate your help on that. Yeah, I loved working with you guys there, there, there at, the, at the university, and uh, uh, in fact, I'm an Okie myself. I spent two years in the Air Force there in Oklahoma, so I, I'm part Okie myself there. Are you still allowed to come back in the state? Uh, yeah, I can still happen? come back, man. You know, if I get <laughs> if I get to Russellville, I'm two thirds the way there, so yeah, maybe get back. Uh, hey, let's jump around here. Let's say let's, let's go to my friend John real quick. John, uh, there in Russellville, Arkansas. How you doing, John? Come on in here and say hi. I'm doing just wonderful, Tom. I really appreciate you letting me join you this evening. And uh, I'm, I am, like everyone else, will be excited when you come back to your old stomping grounds in Russell. And uh, we'll show you some of the places, or at least we'll tell you about some of the places that uh, used to be there and some of the places that aren't there anymore. But uh, some things have changed, some things hadn't. Anyway, we're looking uh, really uh, forward and excited for you to come back and, uh, and visit us. Well, I, I want to come back over there, man. I mean, I, hey, I know there's very few things that are left there because, well, they just, they got old. And when you get old, you get replaced, right? But the lake is still there, guys. There's a beautiful lake there where the the Corps of Engineers uh, dammed up. There's a dam across the Arkansas River. And if you're in Kansas, you might think that's the Arkansas River, but it's really the Arkansas River. And uh, they dammed that up, and uh, there's, uh, yeah, I don't know, there must be a million acres of lake here. And uh, that was kind of neat to have when uh, we were over there. And uh, my understanding is down in those valleys where that river, uh, that lake is, there's actually roads and houses down under the, uh, under the water there. Uh, yeah, so good to see you, uh, good to see you, John. And we'll be heading that way soon. Thank you very much. All right. And let's see, we got uh, some other people joining us here. Hey, Don Wilbanks, our friend Don Wilbanks from Louisiana. How you doing, Don? Hey, I'm good. Well, by way of uh, my home here in, in South Mississippi, but about 50 miles from New Orleans. And this is kind of like old home week because I, uh, I was born in Oklahoma and grew up there. Uh, my good friend Mark Klein, uh, they were kind enough to invite me up to the uh, Ham Holiday, uh, their big ham fest a few years ago, to speak at their banquet, which was... Uh, uh, a true highlight uh, and uh, of my ham radio career, and my dad was born in uh, in Arkansas, so I spent some some young uh, youth youth days in Arkansas. So All right, and, and tell us like, the name. Uh, tell like us. old home old home week for me. Tell us the name of that Arkansas city again. Uh, Snowball. I, I, I guess it's not classified as a city. It must be a town. Uh, 
it's a wide spot in the road just yeah, about snowball as as snowball yeah, arkansas my, my dad was born in snowball arkansas yeah all right well uh, there was a little town called tomato up uh north of where i lived uh tomato arkansas and oh man okay well, all right don hey we'll get to you in a minute man glad you're with us tonight uh, let's see who else is in here. Uh, Rich, let's see. We, hey, Rich, how you doing? You're up in what, New Jersey? <clears throat> yep, and uh, we're doing great here. We got a beautiful, beautiful day today, and uh, yesterday as well. Um, Going to be more like uh, southern weather weather tomorrow, though. Uh, highs in the, around 90 and uh, high humidity too. So, not looking forward to that. But the rest of the weekend should be pretty good. Well, that's, uh, that's great, man. And, hey, we're looking forward to hearing what's in the magazine next month, so we'll we'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. Uh, let's see. Alan, you're supposed to be on vacation, man. What are you doing in here on vacation? Well, I am on vacation. <laughs> so, Ooh, look at that. Coming to you from, uh, coming to you from uh, Iota, North America 111, the northern tip of Long Beach Island, and uh, I'm about seven miles north of that picture behind me. So, uh, but uh, we're getting the ocean breezes here. So while Rich is getting the, all the heat on the mainland in New Jersey, we're about ten degrees cooler out here on the uh, the Barrier Island. So uh, while you're expecting nineties tomorrow, I think we're expecting seventies tomorrow down here. To be a beautiful day here on the out on the beach. All right, I think we had someone else join us, but he must have went away. I I didn't get to approve him. All right. All right. Well, great. Uh, I was wondering if that's a picture if you were just really outside there. No, unfortunately, and I can't do much about the lighting here because I'm, I'm not in. I'm just in one of the spare bedrooms of the the rented beach house. Oh, okay. Here. Okay. So, All right. Uh, but yeah, if we want, if we have time later, we'll talk about where I am and what rigs I've brought yeah. down portable operating and all that stuff. well tonight it's going to be uh, a free-for-all and uh, just a smorgasbord of stuff tonight i'm afraid but it's going to be fun hey sure. i see an old friend in the chat room michael calter's in here w8ci michael's in here from hamvention michael you should michael you should check you should join us on zoom tonight and get in here on the fun so send me an email michael and uh, i'll give you the link uh, if you want to get on zoom there all right, who am I missing on uh, Zoom tonight? Uh, we've had four or five more people join us here. So if I miss you, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to get into the show in a minute, and then we're going to have the free-for-all a little later. Uh, who else is in there? Let's see. Don't forget about Glenn. Glenn, yeah. Well, I, I, I did forget about <laughs> Glenn. Hey, Glenn, what are you doing, man? Yeah, I see you trying to ignore me tonight. Well, <laughs> you know... I was trying to keep the show on the rails as long as possible, but now I'll, that, be, I'll be good. Now that we know that you're here, uh, it's going to be difficult. But uh, yeah, we're, it's pretty much over now. All right. Well, very good. Glad to see you tonight. And yeah. uh, uh, for everybody else that just uh, tuned in on Zoom, there with us. So we'll get around to you a little later. We'll just have an open discussion with everybody here. Uh, okay, so let, let's do something here. Uh, let's go out to Don Wilbanks. Hey, let's talk about something that's that's been happening every year, and and we'll be webcasting this uh, again this year. We've done it every year at the Huntsville Ham Fest. So, Don, you want to go ahead and pick it up and tell us what uh, what we need to know? 
Yeah, thank you so much, Tom. And it's nice to uh, nice to see Michael Calter in the chat room. Made contact with him on the radio over the weekend with the uh, W8BI uh, Hamvention special event. He was the control operator there. So uh, Michael will be expecting a card in the mail for CI and BI. That's 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 coming on the way. Well, oh, Tom, thanks for uh, giving us the time tonight with for Amateur Radio Newsline. You know, the, the Young Ham of the Year Award is something that was very near and dear to Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, Newsline's founder, and that's his, uh, that, that, there we go, that's his personal license plate off of his vehicle. He became a silent key about six years ago. Mm -hmm. But it was his baby. Uh, you know, anything having to do with ham radio and, and youth, he was all about. So he decided to combine those two passions so that we could honor excellence in amateur radio by the youth uh, it's something that uh, that a young person under the age of 18 has done via amateur radio that has uh, furthered the uh, state of the art of ham radio or done something really cool for uh, you know for the community for the country for the world for just just, just something good and for uh, well since the 80s we've been honoring uh, these youngsters every year and that's coming up again uh, in fact the nominating period is open and in fact closes in just a few days on May 31st at midnight. You've got to get the nominating form in before May 31st at midnight. Uh, just email it to us, newsline at arnewsline.org. And you'll find that nominating form on our website, arnewsline.org. If you go to that website and click on the awards tab, the first link that's under there is the, uh, the actual nominating form that you can download, fill out, and then again, email it back to us. We have to have it back before midnight Eastern on May 31st. That is this coming Monday, uh, May 31st, uh, to newsline at arnewsline.org. And ever since 1993, the Huntsville Ham Fest in Alabama has been the home of uh, Amateur Radio Newsline and the Young Ham of the Year Award. And we just could not be happier that, uh, that there is actually a... Uh, uh, Huntsville Ham Fest this year. We're well, thrilled about that. Yes, sir. Hey, look, I just pulled up a picture here. Looky here. I know. Look at that. Yep. There's uh, there's one of our young hams, and there's there's our good friend that's Evan. And our good yeah, friend. Marty there. We yeah. got Rich with yeah. us tonight. We got Rich, you, yeah. and uh, that's Marty uh, Soloway, I think. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And his he's changed his call since then. Marty's uh, one of our young ham alumni, and a, a, yeah. and a great one as well. And so. But yeah, it, we're looking forward to seeing you at Huntsville. It's always uh, we always really appreciate the fact that you live stream that for us, and uh, we just appreciate uh, the support that you've given to Amateur Radio Newsline over the years, and uh, and we're we're happy to to do it to uh, present. Well, we're glad the, to do it. I know excellence toward, in youth and amateur radio. You know, we're glad to do that. And I know toward the end when when Bill was getting sick and he couldn't make it that last year or two. Uh, I'm sure he was able to watch it and be a part of it, and uh, that's, that's why we wanted to. Yeah. Bill was also supposed to be on our show the, uh, probably uh, soon, but uh, he got ill, and, uh, well, we know the rest of the story there. We're going to miss Bill. Yeah, I know for a fact Bill was always watching because he was blowing up my phone just yeah. minutes before time to go on stage at 2 o'clock. So. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he was always watching. And, you know, uh, you got uh, you got Rich Moses and W2VU going to be here to talk about what's going on in CQ magazines. Uh, Rich is one of the members of our judging committee, and Rich always joins us on stage for the presentation. So uh, we certainly appreciate everything that everything that Rich does uh, for us and for, uh, for Amateur Radio and CQ magazine. 
Well, all right. Well, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be down there with you. You're going to be there, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there. We'll stream it, and uh, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be cool. We appreciate and it. Fun. Appreciate and it. Let, me, let me mention the website yeah. one more time. It's right uh, arnewsline.org. arnewsline.org. And that nominating form is under the awards tab at the very top. And uh, all the information is there on the form. And uh, make sure you get, us, get it in the email to us. Uh, by midnight Eastern, Monday, May 31st. And that email address is our regular email address, newsline at arnewsline.org. You scroll down, you'll see the download link, and uh, that will, uh, right there it is. Just click here to download the form, and that's where you get it. Right, right. there. Yep. Well, I nominated a person one year, and they won it. And uh, I feel like I was a part of that that year. So Yeah, absolutely. Great, man. Absolutely. Great. You got skin in the game. Absolutely. That's right. That's right, man. Well, hey, man, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Hey, you can stick with us uh, uh, the rest of the show if you want to. We don't know where yeah, it's going to go. we'll hang out for a while. We don't know we'll where, where it's going to go uh, because it's going to get a little rowdy after a while. Uh, well, and, and with you and Glenn here, it can get really rowdy, uh, I'm sure. But that's okay. We can have a different type show tonight. So that's right in my wheelhouse, us. Tom. You know that. Stick with us as long as you want to tonight, and uh, we'll uh, we'll just see where this thing goes. All right. Well, let's. Um, and uh, we've, hey, we've got to fill a two-hour spot. Now, our show is kind of long every Tuesday night, but we have a two-hour slot on our international shortwave show, and uh, we try to fill that. Uh, we think it's important. So, you know, you might consider this show over an hour, but it continues. Believe me, it'll go another hour. So we have a lot of fun with it. Stick around there with us. Why don't you introduce our next guest, and uh, let's just... Find out what uh, what he has to say. You know, it would be it would be my pleasure because uh, ever since uh, Bill Pasternak started the Young Ham of the Year Award, uh, CQ Communications has been one of the uh, one of the, the the sponsors along with Yezu USA and Heil Sound, and then uh, later on we brought in our good friend Emmett from Radio Waves Antenna as a corporate sponsor, and uh, I've met Rich Moseson. Back in, uh, I guess, my very first uh, Huntsville Ham Fest, which was 1995. So I've known Rich for uh, as long as I've been a ham. And in fact, uh, our good friend uh, Joe Eisenberg uh, uh, got the uh, got the kit building um, article. The kit building, uh, what would you call him? The kit. He got the he got the column. Uh, he got the job in my car as we were driving to dinner one day at Huntsville uh, during, uh, during the, yeah. thing, during the uh, Young Ham of the Year Award. So, uh, uh, Rich Moses and W2VU, tell us what's going on in CQ Magazine this month. Good evening, everybody, and thank you, Don. Um, first of all, I want to say that being on the judging committee for Young Ham of the Year is the highlight of my year every year. Um, I just look forward to it so much and to, to seeing all the great things that so many young people are doing in and with ham radio and uh being able to help with the presentations is is another part of that so uh it's uh definitely one of the highlights of my year if not the highlight um and uh so i'm, I'm looking forward to the next round as well and uh June CQ. So, hey, our, hey, hey, Rich, yeah. Rich, let me first, let me, before you jump into CQ, someone, right. someone in the chat room has noticed they think you've got a haircut. <laughs> is that is that right? I made that mistake as well. <laughs> All right, I'm going to 
reveal this to the world. Let's see it. Let's see it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, That's a man. good look, Rich. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a good look for you. You oh, need to man, keep he's that. He's rocking it. It's you need to keep that. Oh, gee, man. It's finally long enough that everything on the side can get back into the ponytail. Oh, yeah, wow. You keep that. You so, fooled me. Man. All, all of my friends who uh, have less hair than they'd like to tell me I should keep it. Uh, so maybe I will. Listen, if, if, if Tom Emmett and uh, myself decide to get the band back together, you're a shoe-in. <laughs> hey, I resemble you're the that only comment. You'd be the only long hair in the group. You know, I, th- <laughs> I think I resemble that comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we did have fun to be. Go ahead, Rich. We don't want to. We don't want to mess you up. My mom wants me to get my hair cut, so that's all the more reason not to. You know. (laughs) Of course. What a yeah. (laughs) So, back to ZQ and the June issue. It is our Take It to the Field special, and uh, we've got no less than eight articles in this issue about portable or mobile operations in some way, shape, or form. we start out with a split-level VHF-UHF go box plus a base station. This is a really cool thing that K1EHZ built. Um, he's got the, the equipment mounted onto um, in a, a basically a, um, it's not a plexiglass, but close to it. Um, they're, they're mounted in a two sheets of clear plastic and they can just and he's got a, a you know uh, a um not doing well on the words tonight <laughs> well sorry <that's> right. <laughs> a pelican case i should look at the article so yeah. it fits into the pelican case for mobile operations or portable operations but when he's at home it just lifts straight out of the pelican case he puts it down on the table and he's got his home station set up as well. So that's very, very cool. Um, We also uh, do a little bit of time travel. We go back in time to last winter and have a report on winter field day at WA0PCC in Iowa. Um, It's uh, Rod Bloxham, K0DAS, and uh, five other people have joined their forces together to write the article and operate there. Uh, Then we take you to Florida and uh, W4DNN, our former QRP editor, has an article on a QRP expedition to Hog Island, an appropriate place for hams, of course. And uh, then N4RLI has an article called Stapy RS and Foxmitter. Excuse me one second, my voice is going away here. Um, this is a APRS and Fox Hunt beacon. Uh, built around an HT and an Arduino. And uh, that's also a very cool thing. Uh, K1JD has an article on a three-band tramp end-fed half-wave antenna for QRP portable operation. It weighs five ounces. It's something very significant for people who are backpacking. Mm. That includes uh, the uh, traps. It's very... Our CQ Classic for this month is also part of our Take It to the Field special, comparing 
with what you can put in your pocket today to go out in the field in a five ounce antenna. We have from 1945, a two tube walkie talkie pack set. Let's see if I can find a picture of it here to see, show you just how portable it was. <laughs> oh yeah, that was portable. Uh, so it reminds me of my first two meter rig. From 1945, that yeah. was uh, pretty portable. And that was in use by WERS, the War Emergency Radio Service, which is, uh, you know, we all say that uh, ham radio was shut down during World War II, which it was in, in normal circumstances, but a lot of hams who were not in the military and deployed overseas uh, were able to operate through war wars, the War Emergency Radio Service. It's kind of a, a precursor to today's races. And uh, there was uh, basically civil preparedness radio. Um, in our columns, we've got uh, two columns that are part of the Take It to the Field special as well, emergency communications. Um, N8BHL writes about NVIS, Near Vertical Incidents Skywave, and how it's being used in emergencies today and for portable operations uh, when you're set up. And Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, who Don was just mentioning, um, writes up the QRP Labs QCX Mini, a field radio in your pocket. And I was so impressed with what he wrote about in the column that I went and ordered one myself. Haven't built it yet, though. It's my Father's Day present to me. <laughs> If field operating isn't your thing, we've got a few articles as well. We've got the results of the 2020 CQDX Marathon, which is our annual year-long contest. Um, keep everybody on the bands. Uh, AG5AY has an article on a DC over coax three-way antenna switch. And moving back into our columns... Erwin Math, WA2NDM, and Math Notes writes about working with supercapacitors, which is uh, another way of getting around carrying heavy batteries with you if you're going out in the field. In listening post, Jerry Dexter reports on the path passing of uh, Brother Stare, a uh, rather controversial shortwave host, and uh, a bunch of other stuff going on in the world of shortwave listening. Um, microcontrollers, we have a guest columnist this month um, who is well known to people who are big into microcontrollers. Uh, Jack Purdom, W-A-T-E-E, uh, has a uh, coding primer, which he titles going from RDC to PGC. You'll, of course, have to read it to find out what yeah. it stands for. Yeah. <laughs> um, Got a couple more antenna articles. Uh, Learning Curve Editor Ron Oshu, KO0Z, has a piece on loops this month. And Antennas Editor WA5VJB writes a really fascinating piece on frequency selective surface surfaces. Um, here's an example of a frequency selective surface, a fence. Mm. Depending on the frequency, it will either Block your signal or pass it. So really interesting stuff mm -hmm. there. Um, we've got a report in our VHF Plus column about some trans-equatorial propagation in April and an early start for sporadic E this season. Um, plus, we've had already one or two transatlantic and transpacific openings on six meters. So if you 
don't get to that uh, 50 position on your radio very often, check it out. There's a lot of stuff going on on six meters right now. Um, DX Editor N200 has details for us on the upcoming 3Y0JD expedition to Bouvet Island. That's uh, still quite a ways away, 2023, but they're starting work early on uh, all the planning and preparations and fundraising, of course, because uh, these ain't cheap. Um, contesting editor N3QE tells us about the first WPX event using multi-distributed category. That's a new category we've started in our WPX contest, which uh, allows for not only remote operation of a station, but multiple separate stations operating under one call sign and uh, operating together for a single score. That's called multi-distributed. And finally, our propagation editor, NW7US, writes about uh, field day and uh, what you can expect to uh, be happening on the bands this field day, which is just coming up about a month from now, and that's the time to check the conditions. It's a 28-day recurrence cycle of uh, that's the how long it takes the sun to rotate around. And so 28 days before field day, which is right about now, is going to be a preview of uh, what conditions are going to be like on field day. Uh, hopefully, there will be a couple of sunspots that make their way onto the sun before then, because uh, right now it's pretty crappy. <laughs> so <laughs> that is a uh, look at our June edition, our Take It to the Field special. And uh, want to let you know that we still have our Spring Fever subscription special going on, but it's going to be ending in a few days. So uh, please, uh, if you're interested, and I hope you are, go to our website, www.cq hyphen amateur hyphen radio.com and uh, you can find out there all about the spring fever special and the ways you can save on a subscription to CQ and uh, that's what we've got coming up for you in June all right well, hey, hey Tom yes hey can I put in a plug since Rich is talking about the uh, propagation the solar stuff yeah I'll put in a plug for the uh, Dayton uh, 2021 Special Achievement uh, Award winner, Dr. Tamitha Scove, WX6SWW. If you're not following her on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, she she gives you all the lowdown. Dr. T gives you all the lowdown on what's going on in the sun. And uh, she posted a video just today about what she called a machine gun effect of solar storms, some of which were M-class flares that just happened the last couple of days or so. So uh, make sure you follow her on Twitter, yeah. at Tamitha Scove. And uh, check out her, her uh, website, spaceweatherwoman.com. And also check out her videos at, uh, uh, on, on uh, YouTube, uh, Tamitha Scove. And, of course, you can watch her uh, uh, when we do the Ham Nation program yeah. coming up on Wednesday. Well, you know, I, uh, so, yeah. I haven't seen the, the video you're talking about. You say she just put it out today? Today. I haven't seen it yet, but that will be interesting uh, to see. Check it out. Hey, guys, the sun spots. Hey, it's going to be good again. It's going to be like the old days, man. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to yeah. be... Uh, Dr. T's the best, too. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. All right. Well, hey, hey, Rich, thanks so much for coming and uh, telling us about CQ next uh, month. And we will we'll, we'll see you uh, soon uh, down, in, uh, down in Huntsville. Sure hope so. 
All right. I see Mark Brown in. I see Mark Brown in the room there. Mark's in there. He's going to make sure that Huntsville happens. He's going to take care of us. So thanks to uh, to Mark. All right. All right. Well, hey guys, let's take just a quick break, and we'll be right back. And uh, and then this is where the show's going to go off the rails probably the rest of the night. So we'll be we'll be right back. Outdoors are calling. Get outside and under the stars with one of ICOM's ultimate SDR transceivers. The IC705 is a perfect transceiver for hams who enjoy both the great indoors and the outdoors. It's a perfect QRP companion. The base station has features and functionality at the tip of your fingers and a portable package. And it covers HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. And guess what? It weighs in at just under 2 pounds. It has a 4.3 inch touchscreen and it's got a live band scope and waterfall. It'll run 5 watts with a BP272 or 10 watts on 13.8 volts DC. It runs all modes, including D-Star. The speaker microphone comes standard. The perfect accessory for the 705 is the LC192 backpack. It has a special compartment for your IC705 and room for all your accessories. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver radio brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are just sure to keep you busy. It has a 4.3-inch color touchscreen and spectroscope and waterfall. It has smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels. And it's full duplex operation in satellite mode. Heard it, worked it, and logged it with ICOM 7300. It's a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transistor digitizes the RF before various receiver stages to reduce the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 is the radio that changed the way of entry-level HF. Visit www.icomamerica/amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right, we are back. And boy, are we having fun tonight. Yes, sirree, Bob. Do we have a Bob with us tonight? Yes, sirree. Yes, sirree, John, I guess I should say, or... Don, yes, sir, Don. That's what that's yeah. gonna be the same tonight. Yes, sir, Don. There you go. Well, right, I see so, a Tim, a Glenn, a Rich, and yeah, Anthony, yeah, and Alan. And yeah. yeah, we got a bunch of them. In so there. you know, okay. So let's just jump into some other things real quick and get this out of the way, and then we'll have some fun after this. But uh, you know, uh, our show has been flying the Pico or uh, balloons around the world for about almost two years now. We've kept one in the air almost for two years, uh, not the same one. When it would come down, we had the next one ready to, to go, and we kept kept launching. And we were pretty successful. We've flown uh, balloons around the world multiple times, uh, and uh, we've used both the cheap balloons and the expensive balloons. And um, 
The expensive balloons have a problem on altitude. The highest you're going to fly with those is about 44,000 feet. That's the max. And there's a lot of science behind there that says this is why you can only fly 44,000. It has a certain amount of volume. It has a certain amount of weight. And, uh, you know, depending on how many uh, bird poops get on it, that depends on how high it goes. But, uh, so... Lately, we have been working on trying to break that glass ceiling. And I'm working with some guys out in Oregon right now, out on the West Coast, that are real balloon professionals that have been in the balloon business for like 30 years, uh, building and flying balloons that held, you know, hundreds of millions of cubic feet of gas. It would lift thousands of pounds. Uh, it would lift things like telescopes and scientific instruments. And they, they did it for... You know, they did it for like three-letter uh, ID, you know, what do you call it, Don? These three-letter ID uh, people. Oh, the uh, the alphabet bureaus? Yeah, the alphabet bureaus. You know, yeah. Not the ABCs, but kind of like the CIAs no, and the FBI, FBI you know, those CIA. Guys. So anyway, yeah. anyway, so they're now focusing. They're focusing on the Pico balloons with, with me, and I'm working with them. We're kind of testing together. Uh, sometimes I do something first. Sometimes they do something first. And... So, I mean, experts, millibars, liquids of water pressure, that millibar, they, they're, they're experts in this. But, I, you know, I don't know how tough it's been to change your mind from, you know, thousands of pounds to grams because all of our stuff is in grams that we fly and it's measured to the grams. So anyway, back to the story. We have stopped flying our balloons because... Anybody can fly a balloon around the world now at 44,000 feet. That's pretty given. And uh, we've done that uh, uh, several times. So we're trying to break the glass ceiling. And we are designing and working on a balloon that will at least fly 55,000. I'm thinking that uh, our next launch, we're going to go for 55,000 or 60,000. Now the problem we got is the materials we have to work with aren't very strong. And they won't hardly or barely hold the pressure at those altitudes and we know what the pressures are so we do a lot of measurements inflation and so forth so um, we're working to do that now I want to show you one of the balloons uh, uh, that um, I've been working on here lately with the with the material that we have available um, here is one in my shop that uh, I had in here last week uh, 22 feet long uh, 10 feet circumference, and uh, we've been been working on this to see and been crunching the numbers to see if we can't get this balloon over 45,000, get it up in the 50s. And you can see it's quite large, right there. You can see the entire length of my shop, and uh, it's pretty big right there. And you can see that's where I put the uh, air in right there uh, on the uh, on the end there. I'm going to run a little video for you. I'm going to show you. We're going to take this one to destruction. Oh, and, and what we've done is the material. We found the material will not hold the pressure. So what we're doing, we're testing now netting. So I tested some 4-inch netting on the balloon to try to keep the balloon from popping. And we went to, uh, on this last one, we went to some stronger netting. And it's 4-inch uh, it's squares. So there's a close-up of it there. So uh, I'm going to show you a little video here real quick of us inflating this and testing the pressure. 
And we're using a homemade manometer, which is the little water tube, and we measure the inches of water. And you can convert those inches of water directly into pounds per square inch or millibars. So let me pull up this video real quick, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to we'll run that real quick. Hey, Tom? Yes. Before you play that video, I got a, a message here from Martin Zhu. Oh, did uh, you? Yeah. He, he wanted All to right, be here well. tonight. But uh, he just got in from out of town, and he's so wore out that he's going to miss it tonight. All right. Well, that's okay. I did invite Martin, and uh, I, he uh, he runs a busy life, believe me. All right. Oh, man, well, very good. Very good. Okay. So here's a quick video of us uh, testing, putting this balloon under some pressure test. And uh, we're going to run that real quick if I can figure out where it is here. Let's see. Here we go. Oh. We hit it up to four inches of water pressure, water level pressure, and uh, oh, our net popped several places. This net is, uh, they, they told me it's 43 pound test. I'm not sure if it really is. We'll, we'll be testing that in the lab later. Uh, our circumference, we've got the net about right. <clears throat> the circumference is staying 10 feet, or pretty close to 10 feet. We're seeing some stress on the balloon material. We're going to blow it. We've, we've tied the, the, uh, the netting that popped. We tied it back together. All right, uh, we're starting to see a lot of stress, a lot of stress marks in the material. You can see them right here where it's stretched. A lot of stretching, a lot of stretching in the balloon material. All right, we're going to try to take this up and see if we can explode it. I want to see what we can get up to our, our nets. Our net made it to uh, four inches of uh, water level. We're going to see how high it's going to go. And, and the popping wasn't too awful loud while I go, so here we go. time too so we're up to one inch of the water level when we get to a little below two inches that's the pressure that is at altitude I think uh, 3.75 is the altitude and water pressure so if we can get to two we beat the pressure I'd like to see us get up to three or four or five that's gonna be a lot Two 
four inches of water. We're a four and eight. Okay, we're a four and eight. We're pumping. That's the uh, that's the net popping. We're five inches. We're five inches of water. Woo. We'll stop it for a second. Uh, it's getting really tight. We're at five inches. Yeah, we're we're at five inches of water pressure. It's starting to go down a little bit with the thing off, but two and a half times two, we're at five inches. So the uh, the pressure. The pressure altitude is about 3.7, I think, maybe. Yeah, 3.7 inches of water. Uh, and we got up to, uh, I forgot what we got up to. What did we get up to? Two and a half. Two and a half, we got up to five. So we had a fairly good safety margin. Okay, let's explode it. Let's go with it, here we go. So uh, you can see at five inches of water level, we uh, we the balloon self-destructed. So that was at five inches of water. Uh, at altitude, we need three and uh, just a little under four inches uh, to uh, to hold the pressure, and we were at five. So that balloon probably might would might have survived if we launched it. Of course, we destroyed it there uh, in the process of putting it together. So. Uh, again, we are, uh, because of the diameter, and as you study this, you will find that um, the diameter of this balloon is going to determine how high it's going to fly. This particular balloon is 20 feet long, and uh, it has a diameter of about 3 feet. If I made this same balloon 40 feet long, it would fly the same height, and if I made this balloon 60 feet long, it would still fly at the same height because each time we lengthen it, we're adding more weight. So weight is the killer here uh, for us. So this, this particular balloon has a circumference of 10 feet, and uh, 10 feet is going to only get you up between 45,000 and 50,000 feet maybe. Uh, so uh, the next piece we're going to be working on this week is we're going to go with a 20-foot circumference. So we're going to have a 20-foot circumference around this balloon and probably make it about 14 feet long. And that the math works out where that will fly somewhere around 60,000 or 62,000 feet. So uh, the net is a, a mess to get right. It tangles and it's, it's, it's tough and uh, it's real tedious here. 
So uh, that's kind of where we are. Just want everybody to know we haven't forgot about you. You know, we're we're just not flying. We're we're just not flying a balloon every single week now because we've done it. It's getting boring to do that, and we're trying to break that ceiling and hit get into the fifty-five or sixty-five thousand. Nobody else is flying at fifty-five or sixty-five thousand. Now. You may say, well, hey, I see these balloons on the Internet all the time. These weather balloons, they'll go up to 90,000 feet. Well, yes, they will. That's a different type balloon. That's a latex balloon, and it's made to basically go straight up, and it just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. And at some point, it pops. It breaks. At 95,000, it'll pop because it expands to its max. It gets thin, and then it falls. So uh, that's not what our balloons do. Our balloons have to hold the super pressure. And that balloon, when it's launched, it's almost empty. When we launch that balloon, it's empty. And you've seen some of our videos where it looks like an empty clothes bag going up with just a bubble in the top. Because at altitude, it's going to be completely expanded. And it's going to be tight. It's going to be as tight as uh, that test that we just ran right there. So once that balloon stretches and then it stops, it can't go any further. That's going to limit your altitude, and it won't go any higher. So that's kind of where we are there. So, Glenn, what do you, what do you think, man? What What's our next step, Glenn? Our next step is to put some LEDs on it in a circular pattern Yeah. and have them blink and flash and maybe paint on the side, take me to your leader. <laughs> I thought about that, but, you know, I don't know if we can see a little LED from that high, man. I mean... Oh, oh no, you use the super bright ones. Oh, yeah, you'll okay, see it. Okay, well... All right. Well, anyway, hey guys, that is that's where we are. Just want you to know about the balloon. We are working hard every day. In fact, uh, I'm doing the math on that thing. Let me show you something. This is my desk. No, that's not my desk. Uh, here, here's my desk right here. If you look, I've got hundreds of sheets of paper there where I'm calculating different size balloons, different different ends. Uh, uh, different volumes, different weights. Uh, everything weighs, you know, everything weighs. Uh, even uh, tape to splice it with weighs almost two grams per foot. Uh, you know, the entire trackers, our payload that we normally fly is about, is normally about 10 to 15 grams. And uh, that's, uh, that's pretty small. So uh, our problem here is weight. Uh, that balloon material will not it would just keep stretching and it's going to pop so we had to stop the stretching and that's why we're using the net uh, this net is better than the first net but uh, you heard this net popping and uh, we don't have a whole lot of margin here so we're looking for better net and uh, the net weighs the net weighs um, you know I mean this is this is a heavy balloon you fly one of the SBS's like we used to fly uh, at 45,000, 44,000 feet, they weigh 109 grams. This particular balloon that we're building here weighs over 1,100 grams. That's counting the uh, a couple hundred for the uh, the net and maybe eight to nine hundred for the balloon itself, the balloon material. So, so uh, weight is the killer. We, if we could just get the weight, we need stronger material, which you just almost can't find. If we could get mylar, if we could get big wide sheets of mylar, that would work better. But uh, I, I have received some mylar from someone interested in helping us, but the mylar is only 42 inches wide. So um, it's not, you know, we need, we need stuff 10 foot wide, 20 foot wide to get, to get that volume. So uh, anyway, 
that's where we are with um, with the uh, uh, balloon. I just want you to know that we haven't forgot about you. We're working hard on this every day, and I want to get one in the air as soon as we can. And on this flight, we're going to be testing an experimental LiPo battery. If you remember from our previous shows, a, li a LiPo battery would not work at the altitude because it's minus 55 degrees Celsius. They just would not work. They would not charge. They would not put out. We have uh, uh, my, my guys there in Oregon have sent me some uh, experimental batteries. We've tested them. We've tested them down below 55 degrees Celsius, and they're still working. So we, uh, the, the tracker we're going to send up, we've got uh, redundant uh, solar panels on it so we can pick up uh, sunlight from sunrise back down to sunset. And uh, we've got a charger on there, and we've got a 300 milliamp LiPo battery. And a 300 milliamp LiPo battery will run a tracker on the ground. It'll run that tracker for about seven hours. So we're looking for some coverage, some tracking during the nighttime hours, because that's when a lot of things go wrong. At nighttime, the sun goes down, the air cools. You don't have the sun heating up the gas. It cools. If you don't have enough free lift in this balloon, the balloon will come down and hit the ground. So um, by having a battery in there, we're going we're gonna to get a lot of data about how it's flying uh, during the nighttime and, and what kind of altitudes we're getting. And that's going to be the trick right there is to see if we can get enough gas in it. We've got to get enough free lift gas in it that we can keep it up there. But if we put too much in it, it will burst. It will expand and burst. So there's a really fine area that we've got to be at uh, to make this thing successful. Uh, so it takes material strength, the right uh, pressure, the right amount of gas, and we always use hydrogen gas because hydrogen gas will take us uh, about 2,000 feet higher than helium. Um, so um, we do that. And uh, we're having fun. We've learned a lot. We've learned a whole lot about it. So that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the, the spill I wanted to give you on the um, on the balloon. Just don't worry, guys. I know everybody's interested in it, it flying, but I don't want to put one up in the air that I know is going to come down that next day. Now I could fly an SPS balloon and fly it around the world, but guys, that's getting boring. So when, when I put one up there, I want to have some uh, some feeling that it's going to stay up there. So uh, this is uh, it's kind of critical, and like I say, I'm working with some experts there, and uh, that's a hostile area. That's a hostile area up there at 55,000 feet, believe me. Uh, anyway, uh, okay. Hey, next, hey, let me just mention this, and then we're going to get into everybody. We're going to get to all the people here. We talked about, we talked about using, you know, uh, the show is going to do an experiment using a tree as an antenna. Now, as I mentioned, there's been a lot of studies, not, not, not using a tree to hold an antenna up, but a tree as the antenna. There's been studies in the military that I've been researching uh, that, that the military did, um, they did experiment with this. And um, uh, here's, this is out, well, oh, that's not out of their manual. This is out of their manual here. This is out of their experiment manual. So they're telling me here they used a, a coil to couple around the tree. And that's how they uh, drove the tree right here. And they, they, they actually patented that. They call it a HEMAC. It's a helical coil coupled air core toroidal coil. 
Boy, I can't say that again. But anyway, that's how they coupled. So you can see there, and here's another example right here of coupling to the tree. So, you know, I was going to wind a coil and put it there, but one of our good viewers out there sent me a note and says, hey, why don't you do this? Use uh, use one of these, you know, a, a dryer vent hose. And I thought, okay, uh, they make both. They make the aluminum one, and they make the plastic or the vinyl ones. And look at this. Here's a vinyl one. But it has the coil, the metal coil inside. So uh, I'm trying to locate one of these. And we're going to put it around a tree and put a tuner on it. And then we are going to, um, we're going to load that tree up. And we're going we're gonna to do some measurements. And um, uh, Bill, the uh, last show, gave me a great idea. And that was use Whisper. So we can use, we can do a Whisper transmission. And it'll actually plot it on the map. It'll put everybody that received it on the map. It'll draw a line to them. It'll tell us the, uh, the, the DB levels and, and the, the signal levels of everybody that received it. And, and to make the test uh, a better test, then we're going to also run that same coil. Some people might say, well, that looks like a slinky antenna. Well, it kind of does. So we're going to take that off the tree and just set it out in the open. And we're going to run it again, run the same whisper test with it not around a tree. So we're going to go back and forth, tree, no tree, tree, no tree. And we're going to run whisper on it and we should get some really good data now the military has charts where they plotted this and they say that this this tree antenna worked as well in their test as a whip antenna so it's going to be interesting to see uh how how well it really works so that's the update that's the update on the uh on the tree antenna we're getting to it and I need some help. You know, you would think as many hams as there are in Memphis that you could find somebody that would be interested in working on these things. I can't find anybody. Maybe everybody's working or I don't know. Maybe they have other interests. But, uh, you know, it'd be cool if I can get some help in here to, to do these things, you know. All right. <clears throat> All right. So, All right. Well, you know, time. I would help if I could, but you do it during the weekdays. Well, man. that's like true, and you know, I, and you've been good for helping, but you've got that job now, and you got to be at yeah. your job during the day every day. Yeah, I got to pay for cat food, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do this. Uh, we're we're going to move into the part of the show here where it's the free for all. We're going to talk about everything, and. Uh, I'm going to open the phone lines also. The people that didn't want to uh, uh, call in on Zoom, if again, if you want to call in on Zoom, send me an email to tom at W5KB. I'll send you the link. But I'm going to open the phone line, and if you want to just call in on the phone, you can do that. Um, and hey, uh, hey, Tom, yes, Tom, before you run off on that that uh, last bit, how how. Uh, how are you calculating the uh, the length of those antennas? Is that just random? You are the only participants the in length, the conference. The length of the length of the uh, tree antenna. The dr the dryer vent, yeah, the tree antenna and the dryer vents. Well, you know, uh, the uh, we I don't have any data on the the inductance or the number of turns on the coil. But if you look at those pictures, I I don't think that's real critical. Uh, it looks like we're going to probably be using some four-inch diameter coil, which 
looks like it's very close to what they had to picture. Uh, and since we're going to use an auto tuner to tune that, uh, yeah, you know, I don't think it's going to make a whole lot of difference. Uh, we should be able to couple into the tree just like like uh, they did. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna give that a try. Um, you know, um, I don't know what to expect. You know, I, I've got um, some I've got some 130 foot trees in my yard here. Is that gonna be uh, is that gonna be man. 160 meter or an 80 uh, 80 meter vertical? I have no idea. You know, it talk be, about a novel way to get around your HOA, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I can I can see it now coming soon in the CQ uh, uh, kit uh, column. Uh, plans for that antenna and the plan list will be go to Home Depot and get a little sapling about that big around. That's right. And uh, yeah, that would yeah, be good. Wait twenty years. That yeah, would wait be, twenty uh, years, and you got it. Yeah. That, that would that would be good for two meters probably or four forty. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. And, and, yeah. and you know, call we, it the twenty year vertical. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, you start yeah. off at seventy centimeters, then about five years you're at two meters. That's right. And about another ten years you're at six meters, and yeah, just. <laughs> Yeah, you know, after 20 years, you'll probably be down to about 20 meters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you. It's slinky. So, you know, I don't know if the size of the tree. (laughs) You'll have to plant a bunch of them to have a beam. I don't see. Oh, oh, hey, hey, the article discusses that. The study discusses that. Multiple trees in a row as a beam. It does discuss that. That's interesting. Wow. Are you you familiar with the DXplorer compare function of Whisper? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, the Explorer has a uh, uh, has a, a piece of uh, software that will let you compare with your two transmitters, and it will transmit. It'll check the exact same transmission from, let's say, my transmitter to your transmitter, and to a third receive site. So it's yeah. simultaneous receives at the third site. And you can say, okay, mine was minus 10 dB and yours was minus 5 dB. And it will statistically average those, and it'll come up with a number that says your antenna is 10 dB better than mine or mine's 10 dB better yeah. than be better or something well like, I, I'll, look at, I'll look into that mark and we'll see hey mark the way you've got your picture set up we're okay let's pull we're only seeing there. we're only seeing a gnat on your left shoulder <laughs> you know oh, everybody everybody else that. comes in fine but you there you go now let's we can try have that. that now How's we, that? we can see there you we now go. man just, there we go just brush and, that and, brush and it i've now. got right here the uh there it is there well, you is. know, you know, they told me first go out and get a slinky. Go out and get me. Go to uh, Cracker Barrel and get a slinky. But I imagine those things are about nine bucks a piece at uh, Cracker Barrel. So I don't know. Man. If you can find a metal one, they're all plastic. Oh, now. are they? Yeah. Well, yeah. I sure don't. I sure don't want to use a plastic one. I, you no. know, not for this test anyway. Yeah. 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 All this right. So ancient. Hey, I like the dryer vent idea. Yeah, the like dryer that. vent. Actually, that that was a good deal. You know, I was going to take a piece of this, uh, and I showed it last week. This piece of a uh, black uh, uh, pipe. You know, you put in the ground for drains. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's corrugated, and I was just going to wind about a hundred feet of wire on it. But uh, you know, that, that takes a lot of wire. And look at this, man. It's already made for you. Ready made in a form. It's, it's already flexible, it's already made yeah. and it's so easy just to bring around a tree and I'll put a little hook yep. on it where we can hook it and then we'll clip the tuner uh, to each side of it there and we will just you know, we'll go for it. And we'll see we'll have how to try I, that. I've got a couple of those small whisper light devices that we can just put them up, leave them for a while and, okay. and uh, yeah. do some comparisons. Yeah. John A C eight XU in the chat room says you can find the metal ones at Walmart. 
Well, you tell when. Well, the the oh, metal, the metal ones. Slinkies, the metal yeah. ones I found like, where have the metal, uh, the aluminum foil uh, on them. Metal slinky, yeah. The, like the metal. Well, oh, you, he meant the metal slinky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you don't want to use the aluminized dryer vent. See, I can yeah. I can find aluminum. I can find the. The aluminum dryer vents everywhere. I'm having a little trouble yeah. here locally finding the uh, the vinyl or plastic ones. You know, yeah. uh, now I did find one in there. I started to order it. It was like five dollars. It was like fifteen bucks shipping. So cheapskate me. I, I decided not to do it. So I'm still looking. You know, for uh, the right dryer vent. You know, I think Amazon may be your friend. Yeah. 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 I was going to say yeah. I'll let you use my Prime. I get a discount. Do you? I think well. I've got. I think I got a bunch of ten-inch stuff that they use for uh, for commercial ducting uh, out in the shop. I might have to pull some of that out. Well, pull it out and let's look at it. And uh, I, but I tell you, some of that some of that uh, ducting, that plastic uh, duct, like you're talking about there, uh, is expensive. Uh, on, on Amazon, it's like two hundred dollars for a piece of it. Well, they got to pay my salary, man. Two hundred fifty dollars for it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want the metal. A lot of that stuff that's used for venting is uh, is also aluminized too. Want that because that'll short that coil out. Yeah, that's the one I can't I can't use on with with aluminum uh, or the yeah aluminum foil type. You know, flex. I think this is clear plastic. Yeah, it's got to be the plastic. Yep, it's got to be the plastic. So you know, some people and there's some there's some videos out there where people have tried to load a tree before. They'll drive a nail in a tree and connect a wire to it, and they've done some tests and weren't very successful with it. Uh, another guy shows one where he puts a ground rod in the ground, and then about eight feet or nine feet up, he puts a nail in the tree, and he runs a wire up there, like he's shunt feeding the tree. But you know what? I'm a little uh, leery of that one. How do I know that that nine feet of wire is not radiating? How do I yeah, know? You know, it's not, how do I know yeah. it's not the antenna? You know, so yeah. I want to be able to couple like the military did with the with the. Helical coil coupled air core toroidal coil. That's what I want to use. That's a mouthful. That, that is a mouthful. I want to use that around that tree, and, and we'll do both. You know, we'll do we'll do a comparison test. You know, maybe move it move it. You know, a foot and a half over. Get some uh, signals. Put it back around the tree. Get some signals. Maybe try different bands. I don't know. A different size tree. I don't know. It, with the tuner. I'm guessing any tree will tune just about anywhere, but uh, the military your analyzer on it, find where it's resonant. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I don't know if a tree is going to be resonant anywhere. Uh, well, the the wire will I mean, be. The, yeah, well, the coil will be. Yeah, the goal is to match the coil. You know, let well, it load the tree. Well, yeah, but yeah, you're right. So I'll, I'll take. Right. I've got a. I got a network uh, vector analyzer here. We'll put that on here, and we'll get Alan to tell us how to read that sucker. Cause I still can't read my <laughs> NVA. Alan, it's got too much going on, it man. Yeah, yeah. You haven't. Uh, you haven't watched my videos yet. Well, I, you gave. You <laughs> gave a. You gave a talk on the show one night about how to do it. But man, I mean, I got to I got to just turn off all those other screens and keep it down to the basic SWR. You you had circle charts and you had inductances and uh, yeah, you capacitances. Yeah, you what you want and take off oh, what you man. want. Yeah, I might I might have to do that. I I bought that thing and haven't even used it yet. So we'll uh, we'll we'll figure it out there. And I know I know where to get help if we need it. 
All right, hey, let's 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 just jump around the room here a minute. Let's see anybody got anything interesting you're talking about or want to talk about tonight. Hey, this could be show and tell. We could we could chat a little bit about my portable operating here, what uh, where yeah. I am, what I'm using. Yeah, uh, sure. Let's let's talk about that. Let's uh, let's see if you want to let me share my screen. I'll show you where I am and okay. Do that thing. All, right, all right, let me turn it on. All righty. All right, your own. You okay, got it. This week. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go here first. So um, yeah. So here's just to kind of give you an idea where I am. There's Google Maps. You can see there's New York City. There's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm in New Jersey, of course. So we start zooming in here. Okay. So this island right here, from Barnegat Light all the way down to actually Holgate down at the bottom here. This is called Long Beach Island. It's about 18 miles long. And I'm up at the north end of this island. I'm actually in this area right here, Ibar Harbor. Uh, we vacation in there uh, yeah, just for this week, but uh, kind of over on the the bay side. So we're again good 10, 15 degrees cooler than uh, than where Rich is all the way up there in uh, in North Jersey up here somewhere. So uh, he's well, he's way up there, I think. <laughs> so anyway, that's where we're at. Um, and what we brought down here with me was uh, this guy here, uh, the ICOM 703. Looks a lot like the 706, 10 watts with a built-in tuner. Uh, great little rig. Uh, also brought with me uh, the QCX Plus. This is the large, physically larger version of the QCX Mini that uh, that Rick was talking about. Uh, functionally, circuit-wise, I think it's identical or pretty much identical. But this is in a larger, physically larger case. Um, and uh, made a couple of contacts with that thus far. I've got this little tiny little key that I brought with me because it all fits in the backpack. So this is a neat little uh, force code key for all my CW operating. Uh, the antenna that I'm using is this guy right here. Um, you know, the, the Par Electronics, now it's now sold by Viperplex, but this little uh, I-band 10, 20, and 40 meter uh, N-fed wire antenna, I've got it tied off to the second floor uh, uh, deck railing of uh, of the house here at one end, and the other end is actually tied off to a mooring whip that's right at the water's edge, right next to the dock. So, of course, it's dark out here now, so I can't show it to you. And that antenna is is, is gives me a good match on 10 and 20, and on 40, uh, it's cut a little bit short, so it's, it's resonant in the phone portion of the band, so it needs a little help in the CW portion. And I use this uh, MTech uh, ZM2 tuner uh, to give it that little bit of help on the lower end of 40 meters when I'm using the QCX. But of course, the 703 has got a tuner built into it. So um, anyway, so that's what we're running down here. Um, just about all of this stuff fits in a, a backpack that uh, with a battery and a couple of other things like that. And that's uh, that's what we're running down here. Um, we got down here, I guess, on Saturday afternoon. Of course, I didn't put the antenna up until about 9:30 at night. It was dark. Of course, you get—it's got to either be bad weather or dark in order to put an antenna up. That's going to work, right? If you put it up in perfect weather, it's not going to work well. So I put the antenna up on uh, when it was dark on Saturday night. And uh, I'll tell you, Saturday night, 20 meters was hopping. Uh, on, on three watts, I was working all over the all over the United States, from Florida to Mississippi to Northern California, on three watts of power with this antenna that was. Uh, Kind of a sloper configuration of an N-fed half wave, so um, kind of fun stuff. Bands haven't been that good today. Um, I didn't get on late. I didn't get on tonight to see how it was, but uh, 
But I got my, uh, let's see, I, well, I brought everything up here. Here's the little MTEC tuner. Oh, yeah. Here's the QCX. The front panel, this is about as big as it is when uh, when you get the Mini. But this one is kind of a physically larger case. It's got some feet on the bottom and uh, all the plugs in the back there instead of off to the side. Works really well. Give you a perspective how tiny this little key is. There's the, there's the little key. Okay, kind of a neat, cute little thing. And really one of the best actions, you know, really nice, good feelings key. A lot of the smaller keys I've used just don't feel that good uh, in sending. This thing sends and feels as good as a full-size key. And then, of course, this is the um, this is the 703. It looks just like it. It's the same size as a 706, so it's a little heavy uh, for backpacking with. But uh, for portable operating, it's no big deal. I'm not carrying this thing in a backpack up a mountain or anything like that, but... Uh, but you know, 10 watts with a built-in tuner makes it really an ideal or deal rig. I've got a, you know, a, one of these like seven or eight amp hour um, uh, LifePo batteries, and I can run. I'll run all week on that before I got to charge it. It really does a great yeah. job. So uh, anyway, some fun stuff with some portable operating here uh, during the week. So I'm not exactly a beach bunny, so I'm not going to be so, laying out. Yeah, well, I, I, I never enjoyed laying out in the sun. I mean, we would go to Florida every year and we'd get sunburned and I hate it when the skin peels off, you know. Oh, man. Does that happen to you guys up here when you go to the beach up here? Uh, oh, yeah. My, my, I, I just turn I just turn as red as this shirt and then I'm done. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you mentioned a LiPo battery there. Boy, they they can really pack some power into a LiPo battery. The it's just the, the weight of it. It's the same size 7-amp-hour gel cell, but it's less than half the weight of that. It's really man, just amazing you know, it's, uh, compared to the, the lead acid. It's amazing, man. You know, in, in, in our balloons, I can I, I, I would test some here and take a little 300-milliamp uh, LiPo battery, and uh, the tracker might draw 40 milliamps constant, and that sucker will sit there for eight hours putting that 40 yeah. milliamps out, man. It just keeps going. I don't know. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, there's a lot of power in those batteries, and um, just uh, don't short one out in the in your shop, you know, or in your lab. Yeah, they, that, could, that would be bad, yes. They don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but do work well. I uh, I blew one up in the shot in in the in the uh, shack here one about a few years ago and uh, uh, I knew better but I've got a lab power supply and I put a lab power supply across it and I turned it down really low I thought I'm, you know I'm safe I'm safe walked out of the room next thing I hear a little explosion I oh, come I come so back I come back and the room is kind of smoky and it's toxic gas in here I can't breathe. I can't even get over to the window to open it because the toxic is so bad. One breath, I got the blinds up. I had to leave. I came back in with another breath to get the window up, and I had to leave. And I finally got a fan, you know, in the window to try to pull that out. But uh, those lipos are dangerous, guys. And if you want to know how dangerous they are, take one of your old phone batteries. There's people on YouTube do this all the time. Do not try this at home. Only crazies no. on YouTube. Take take a lipo battery, lay it on the ground out there, and hit it with a ball peen hammer, and just watch it. And and run. Yeah, and run. Yeah, that's a hot fire coming out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. It's a very it's a very energetic reaction. Yeah, I, I had little pieces of metal everywhere. I think they were on fire. Uh, luckily, uh -huh. it didn't it didn't set the rug or anything on fire. I was lucky. It was a very small battery. But can you imagine doing that with a big battery? Oh man! You know, a lot of those guys who fly those in radio controlled uh, aircraft, 
they uh, they charge those. They have a dedicated Pyrex dish that they put those in mm. and put the lid on it and just run the run the uh, charge leads in and charge those up. And a lot of guys actually have like a fireproof, a small like a fireproof closet safe. Yeah, and they'll store those batteries in there and charge those batteries in there. Oh man, well, wow. Hey, let me make a quick announcement here, and then we'll jump back to uh, the round table here and the free-for-all. Uh, you're listening and watching Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, amateur radio, and if you're listening out there on shoreway, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. And uh, if you have internet out there and you want to join the show live sometime, uh, just go to YouTube. Uh, youtube.com slash w5kub and you can watch the show and we have a chat room and uh, we'll be glad to have you there all right oh and hit the subscribe button if you're new in here hit the subscribe button if you hadn't done it yet now what was i going to say well you know if y'all are going to do that with the big battery i'll hold the camera and your beer yeah well i don't drink so you won't have to hold my beer but Oh no! If you do this, you're gonna have to say here. You can hold, you can my, hold my, you can hold my coke, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and while you're doing that, go ahead and lay a pipe wrench across your car battery terminals too. While you're yeah, doing yeah. <laughs> we'll do a comparison. Sure. All right. Load up good. Load up okay. Real what good. else? Who else we got in, in the room here? Let, let me go out to uh, John. Are you still with us there in Russellville? Is John still with yes. us? Yes. There he is. Guys, this is my. Every time I see John now, I can't believe it. I've never seen John like this. Last time I saw him, he was clean shaved and nice haircut. This don't. I don't think this is John. To tell you the truth, this is my friend. This is my old friend from uh, when I went to college 50 years ago. I was in either first or second uh, uh, year of school, and John was in high school and was a ham and I met him and you know how hams you know we do things together and uh, uh, it's been cool connecting back up with John after 50 years and talking about uh, the college where I went to over there and we're going to plan a trip over there maybe about a month and see what's changed and what hadn't changed and uh, just look around and hey John we'll probably go up on Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo is a, a mountain with a plateau on top and uh, what's that? What's the altitude? About is it like two thousand? It's about eighteen hundred, uh, right at two thousand, about eighteen hundred feet. Okay. We've had a lot of good memories up there over the years doing uh, the VHF sweepstakes, the VHF contest, and uh, for September, the guys from Memphis, you know, WB4LHD and yep. that group, They're they all... come over in September and they rent a house right there. Right, right. Sunrise that's Rick. Point, that's and Rick. They do the whole contest. That's Rick and Randy, uh, LHD. That's low hanging drawers. Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't think uh, da- I don't think Damon would, goes with them. That's hot Friday night. Uh, but Randy, uh, Randy, and others—they've been going over every year. And for the v- as you mentioned, the VHF contest. And hey, there's a cottage up there. It's flat land up there, and they're two thousand feet high. And it's just a great place, man, for VHF contest. Uh, you know, to to be going on. So when I come over there, I, I probably Kathy and I probably will go up the top. Uh, if I remember, it's a little two-lane road that really really winds back and forth to go to the top, man. 
It is. There's lots of switchbacks up there, and uh, they used to have bicycle races up there uh, for the uh, Mount Nebo uh-huh. Chicken Fry, uh, if you'll remember that. But they quit doing the uh, the chicken chicken fry up there. But they still occasionally will have bicycle races up there. And uh, anyway, yes, you can go up and uh, and and go around. That's where our repeater is. We've got a UHF VHF repeater and also a DMR yeah, repeater. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons I almost got drafted in my third year of college is because I did stuff like going up to Mount Nebo and stuff. But I can remember one time, I should not have ever done this, man. I remember one time, my roommate there at college, he had a Chevy Super Sport. I really thought those cars with the SS on there, oh, man, that's the car to have, man, the Super Sport, man. Uh, you know, but uh, I had a little Buick Special. But anyway, I remember he and I coming down that mountain, and I think we were almost racing down the mountain, man. I mean, coming down that little curvy two-lane road around that mountain, 2,000 feet high, I should have never done it. I'll, I'll never do it again. I don't even know if I want to drive up there again, to tell you the truth. You, you'll enjoy it. You need to. You need to go up. They've made lots of innovation uh things up there they've done lots of improvement they've uh, they've got a lot of new cabins there's lots of houses that you can rent up there so uh yes you'll enjoy uh, you'll enjoy the nebo trip yeah well we'll uh, we'll definitely do it when we get there that's that's for sure there man hey i'm so glad we hooked up with you hey i know you guys had a net tonight how'd your net go well, I didn't check in on the net. I was here with you. Well, that's true. Well, I, I sent you guys a note and said, you know, after your net, you know, come over and join us. I, I didn't mean to take you guys from from your net. It's okay. Yeah. Well, all right. So, hey, tell us about your uh, ham club here in Russellville. Uh, and I, I, I'll come over here one day and meet with you guys. Uh, but, but how many people you got there now? And... Uh, because, uh, you know, all the ha- most all the hams I know over there, they're, they're gone now. I mean, you know, they got old. I mean, well, I'm that, old. That's true. We talked about some of yeah. them. Dick Spencer, yeah. Harry Kastner, uh, Bill Davis, if you remember him. Uh, Al Simpson, he was one of our club members back then. You know, he lives in Memphis, WA5, TJB. I talked to him during the Arkansas QSO party. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but our radio club is uh, is going strong. It's Arkansas River Valley Amateur Radio Foundation. I'm the president of the club, and we uh, we had our first meeting last Tuesday night in over a year since uh, since COVID, and uh, I was blown away. We didn't meet at a restaurant, but I was blown away at the number of people that came. We met at the uh, uh, OEM uh, Marine Rescue Building just west of town, and I couldn't believe the number of people. It was standing room only there wasn't any social distancing in our room but uh, everybody wore their mask coming in and then they kind of took them off as the meeting kept going and uh, but the but the meeting turned out really good and we're making our plans for field day and we're going to have field day at Washburn Park that park that's right at the intersection of Dyke Road and uh, Highway 64. Well all right man uh, I got to get over I just got to get over here Brings back memories. Brings back memories, man. Uh, hey, a little electronic tidbit story. Somewhere over there, John, I don't know where it was. It was out from Russellville, near the lake somewhere. We found, it looked like a military, looked like a barracks. 
but it was empty. Yeah. It was all, it was this it was all by itself. And I, I guess it was probably Corps of Engineers. And we 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 came up on this thing because you know the Corps of Engineers built the lake, they built the dam across the Arkansas River, they flooded billions of acres. Uh, we found this this uh, building. It was vacant. We went in it, and I found a, a canister about eight inches tall and maybe a couple inches in diameter. A green canister, like uh, olive drab color, you know, military color. Didn't know what it was. So I, well, I take it back. We go back to our room at the dorm there at college. And here I am sitting in the middle of the floor. I think we had tile floors in. I'm not sure. But I'm, here I am with that thing trying to get it open. I'm trying to get the top off of it. And I don't know where I got a hammer from. But uh, I had a hammer. I'm always prepared, you know. But anyway, I hit that sucker and I knocked that, I knocked that top off of it. And it was full of gunpowder. Gunpowder. Gun wow. I, I, I'm not an expert on what kind of powder it was, but it was gunpowder. And later, my my roommate and I, we went and actually exploded it. We went up there on, um, there's a little road, is it called Skyline Ridge or something? Or that goes, yes, there, that goes yes, across the mountain. up there. We went, we went way up there somewhere. We took this thing. You know, back then your 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 cameras had flash bulbs. You know, we took a flash bulb and busted the flash bulb, and we put that bulb down in that gunpowder, and we ran a wire back. And we were like a hundred feet away, and we touched it to the car battery, and that sucker blew up big time. So I'm lucky I'm here. I was hitting that thing and busting it open with a hammer on the yeah, gunpowder and hammer. What could possibly go wrong? That's right. I uh, you know. No spark. I know where that I know where that place is. It's when you get go across the causeway like you're headed to London on Highway 64 yeah. and right there at that place called Dwight Mission, you turn to the right and you go back in that little uh piece of woods between the lake and the uh, Interstate 40. Well, yeah, hey, I'm glad you knew. I, I was thinking I would never is it still there? Is the building still there? I wonder or well, I haven't been there in like 40 years, okay. but that well, was the uh, Army ROTC uh, barrack stuff for Arkansas Tech back when the ROTC program was really going strong. But it, it was out in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't like yes. it. Yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere, man. It was like an Army barracks. That's it. All by itself. And you're right, it was kind of toward London and off to the north a little bit, northwest somewhere out there. I don't know where it was. But that was it, man. So you know it. Okay, man. Well, whew, hey, it feels good to try to put some closure to some of these things that, that I've been thinking about, you know. Hey, John. Well, we can talk about other things, but see, the statute of limitations hadn't run out on everything. Well, so. I guess that's true. I, I guess for murder, it don't ever run out, does it? No. no. So, But oh, we man. can still talk about lots of other things when, well, when you we, get we, here. It'll be we great. We definitely can Oh, yeah. hey, hey, okay, well, okay. Let, let's see if we can bring Alan in. And you know, Alan probably, now, Alan, Alan probably has a story like you. Let me tell you just another quick story about college since I got John, my buddy, on here. In, in balloons, and I mentioned this before, but we were, we were flying some balloons in college back in 1966. And 
Hey, back then you could go over to the chemistry lab at night. The doors weren't locked. You could go in, you could work, you could do your labs. Nobody cared. Anyway, so we'd built this big balloon up, kind of like you saw in my garage here, and we were putting natural gas in it from the Burnson burner. And we were flying these suckers. And my buddy I was talking to you about that worked at the FAA, the ham radio guy worked for the FAA, he contacted Little Rock, told him that um, we're going to be flying a target and to see if Little Rock could pick it up on radar. And the next thing I know, we're in the dean's office. We got called to the dean's office that we shouldn't be flying those things. I don't know wow. why. You, I don't know why you can't fly a balloon with natural gas in it. No. Hey, John. There's a question in the chat room for you from uh, Chris Medlin. Uh, is there still a club up there at uh, Clarksville, Arkansas? There's a real loose club up there, but most of those guys in uh, Clarksville come down to uh, to our club. The one in the one in Russellville. Okay, thanks. And the chemistry lab that was Doctor Wilcut and Doctor Trigg. That uh, William Bill Trigg or William Trigg is the ones that took care of the chemistry stuff. And Doctor Bronco, do you remember him in the physics department? Uh, John, uh, my my I don't know if it was my chemistry teacher or my physics teacher. He helped work on the atomic bomb. I don't know. He had white hair, and I think I, I don't know if he had a beard. I don't remember much, but. Our rooms there, our, our, our chemistry room, we had blackboards, chalkboards across the front. We had two doors on the back, each side, where you could come in and chairs between. And all he would do, he was the most boring guy. He would write with that chalk on the blackboard. All the, He'd go, nee, 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 and he was so boring. And we would have maybe 20 people in class. And before class was over, there may be three left. They would slip out the back door, and he would never say anything about it. One time, some people jumped up to go out the door, and he turned the desk over. I can remember these kind of things, you know. Mm. Wow. Oh, well. That was over in McKeever Hall. I, I Yeah, I guess so. Probably so. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm not sure I want to go back and redo those days. <laughs> oh, well, man. I think Alan's, Alan's still here. Alan, did, did you do anything crazy in school? Well, I, I was just thinking, I'm not sure if I told this story before, but I think I was in high school and knew enough about electronics to be dangerous, literally. And uh, I was working in a TV repair shop and, uh, at, you know, after school. And... Uh, all the old TV carcasses I was bringing home to pull the wire and parts out of and things like that. I mm -hmm. used to, you know, the wire that for the uh, the, the flexion for a shortwave antenna. Oh, yeah, that kind yeah. Of, but, was, but back back then, you know, the indicators like for the behind the channel selector knob were neon bulbs. They weren't LEDs back then, right? Mm -hmm. But LEDs, you have to have a series resistor, you know, ballast resistor to kind of limit the current. Through. But, you know, I didn't know enough to know how to calculate that. So I'd taken a whole pile of carbon comp resistors and all that I had in my, my dump box and soldered them all together in a row, put a little neon, you know, any two bulb at the end of it and took a, an extension cord and stripped the ends off and put alligator clips on it as you do. And I uh, put one end at the, the neon bulb at one end 
and then uh, was holding the other end and going down through the resistors watching how bright the bulb was and getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and then I went past the last resistor and the bulb blew up and a little bits of molten molten uh, glass in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in my room and had a quick run downstairs and replaced the fuse in the fuse block that I blew before my mom realized what I was doing. So, but uh, we didn't do anything like uh, blow up uh, boxes of gunpowder or anything like that. But we, we did have some fun with electronics. All right. Well, I can see you just you didn't get into a lot of trouble. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got to take off here. All right. I know you're on vacation, man. Go see the go see the family and uh, you know. All right. Do the vacation thing, man. All right. Good to see All everybody. Right. Good to see you, man. Thanks. Take care. Good night. All right, one more down. Let's see who we got here. We still have Mark with us. We've got uh, John with us. The statute of limitations hasn't run out on some of the stuff I did, so I really can't tell you the fun stuff. You can't? (laughs) All right, well, let's see. Let's see what we got here. We've got... uh, But I will tell you one thing I did. I was playing with balloons, you know, as a teenager, and, uh, you know, back then you did the tissue paper balloons and the balsa wood, and you... You filled them with helium, or you made a little hot air balloon. Well, I don't know what I was thinking, but I had my little chemistry set, and I was making hydrogen all day long. And so I said, oh, we're going to fill this balloon with hydrogen, and we're going to use hot air to help give it some more lift, so we're going to put a little flame beneath it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That'd be cool. That thing went up faster than the Hindenburg. Well, you know, I, hey, I heard if you put enough thrust behind anything, it'll fly. You know? <laughs> it flew for all about two seconds. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Mark, what's going on out there in Norman, Oklahoma? Norman, right? Norm, yeah, Norman, Oklahoma is still doing its thing. We're, uh, we're getting ready for field day around here. It's about a month out. Yeah. Everybody's uh, everybody's getting excited for. Their, uh, John was talking earlier about getting out and seeing people again. That's probably going to be our first big event back in the in the uh, groove with everybody. Uh, we've got a group here in Norman, uh, uh, South Canadian Amateur Radio Society, about two hundred folks. Um, we draw from four or five counties in the area, and probably about oh twelve thirteen hundred on a newsletter bunch. And wow, we usually yeah. bring yeah we usually bring in about thirteen or a hundred and 110 or so field day folks and we'll run uh we we run out of the fire training center here in uh norman and a good relationship with all the locals and Mm -hmm. we have a uh we've got about a 40 foot tower that we have at that facility um and a 60 foot tower which is what the firemen train off of so we can go up there and and run some uh antennas off of that tower to the base and got a a couple guys with some portable 50 foot towers and Portable air conditioners and portable generators. And, uh, now, the tower are they are they towers that you take with you, or are they already in place? Well, uh, the, the the fire department tower is already in place. That's one of those buildings that the fire guys climb up, and they uh, they burn it down every time they do a training. Uh, okay, but it's all steel, so the thing stays together. Yeah, but the the other portable towers are trailer mounted towers. We've got okay. a, a couple. 50-foot uh, trailer-mounted towers that people put together and uh, hook those up and so for use uh, for that event. For field day here, um, a group uh, brings out a, a mobile tower. I think it's, 
I don't know if it's part of Homeland Security or it's some type of government deal. It's one of those agencies. Yes, yeah, one of the agencies. <laughs> and let, let me tell you how this tower works. They're going to arrest you. Let me tell you how this tower works. It actually builds the tower as it goes up. It, you know, the three sides, the legs, the three sides, they uh -huh. all, they're all apart and they're all stored. And as this thing goes up, Glenn, you know what I'm talking about. As this thing goes up, it yeah. it it picks it picks and puts these sides together, and it raises it and picks and puts the sides together, and it raises it. And uh, when it's down, it's all collapsed and uh, all folded up. Yeah, what it does is it takes about three foot sections of tower and just pulls them out. There's like three feeders, and it takes the three a section of three foot tower sticks it up and then puts another one underneath and another one underneath and then when it comes down it actually does the reverse and pulls them apart and sticks them back in their little slots talk about hold my beer and watch this yeah oh, and, and i've got cool. i've got a video somewhere of that and maybe we we'll, need that video we'll we'll, we'll do that, that again here uh when field day comes around and, that's uh, a good rube goldberg that oh, uh, it it's not even it's not even tower section it's just pieces and this sucker puts it together as it goes up man it yeah. just it's it's amazing yeah it that is we'll have cool. to see. and it, and, and it goes up it goes up it's a quite a tall tower too big tower yeah yeah these are uh ron towers that people have uh, made telescoping and uh tilting one of them's a ron 25 and then the other one's a uh, one of those light towers from you know the the the, the road guys have on the side of the road with a big generator um, mm -hmm. they've used one of those light tower um, trailers and pulled the the tower off of it and made a trailer out of it so a um, lot of a lot of ingenuity it's always fun to see those guys doing it they uh, We've got access to the city of Moore has a great great, uh, great communications tra uh, truck. I don't know what it is, six hundred thousand dollar communications truck mm -hmm. that they bring down, and and uh, it has a forty five foot pneumatic mast on the back of it, and uh, uh, it, other other trailers, and we've got portable air conditioners because in Oklahoma usually we get plenty of heat on field day. As long as you can oh, keep yeah. the heat under control, you got it made. Oh yeah. It gets warm out there for sure. Yeah, yeah. I bet you remember the Altas days. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember. I was in the uh, I was in the Fourth Mob. It was a mobile con group, and um, uh, we would go out to set up a base. We maybe get called in the middle of the night, and we'd go somewhere and set up a complete air base. We'd take our air traffic controller with us. Uh, I was in communications. We'd take radio vans, uh, teletype machines, the radios. We'd put the antennas up. Uh, motor pool, everything, you know, would convoy there. And, uh, uh, yeah, all the vans that we would take out on these deployments had air conditioners in them. And uh, uh, I don't even think they had a window in them. It was just a van with a door and yeah. uh, and uh, air conditioned. And uh, But, you know, all that time, and I was a ham back then, I never really got with any of those guys that just operated the KWM2s or the radios. and uh, But... Uh, it was interesting uh, uh, time, and yeah, it was hot out there, and we get we had a lot of tornadoes out there too. Um, well, I think uh, we had one night, one night there, we had 19 tornadoes one night there at Altus, and they announced over the radio that they've turned off the sirens to let them cool. 
So how's yeah. how's the tornado situation there at Norman? You're not that far away. No tornado. We're in the middle of actually Tornado Alley. It's it's yeah. supposedly I-35, 50 miles either side of I-35 uh, through the state, and we're the highest concentration of tornadoes in the in the free world, I think. Um, but uh, we, the National Severe Storms Laboratory and the uh, National Weather Center is here in town. Uh, it's a seven-story building that uh, we've got antennas. We've got amateur radio antennas on top of the building, but uh, we use them um, to do some weather uh, stuff when we're, we're uh, doing communications. Mm-hmm. But we just had actually probably three weeks ago, we just had a swath come through town probably six or eight miles long, probably a half a mile wide of baseball size hail that rang for over a half an hour that's bad uh, it went through we have an area by the interstate that is called the mile of cars and there's literally a mile of cars um uh, in a row and it wiped out every car on that uh place wow they're they're talking about 500 million dollars worth of damage uh, wow on that that one little event and that little 30 minute piece and uh, everybody's getting new roofs. Uh, my my mother was in that area. She's got six windows that are knocked out, uh, roofs damaged, air conditioner compressor was uh, uh, ruined. Uh, everything. The insurance man says, "I'll just mark everything outside, and then we'll go from there." Yeah. Mm, <laughs> man, oh man. So yeah, we get a lot of damage. More is just up the road. And that's one that's had the big. Oh, the big nationally known tornadoes. That's just uh, about a mile and a half from my office where it hit. And um, we've, you know, those are terrible, powerful um, acts of nature. And, uh, you know, when you've seen cars picked up and thrown right in front of you like, uh, like there's nothing to them, you realize how much power is involved. Does the uh, ham radio community uh, get involved very much in those type things? Yeah, we do. Yes, we have a lot of uh, a lot of Aries members, a lot of uh, emergency communications. We'll probably we'll probably have between those listening online and listening on the radio. We, we usually estimate two hundred uh, to two hundred twenty-five people uh, involved in those uh, heavy weather days, and uh, we've we're part of the uh, weather service uh, NWS chat, uh, so we can put our uh, results straight into the chat room. Um, and then the M ping. I don't know if you do, if you know what M ping is, but that's an application that the NWS has. That's a great thing to uh, that's crowdsourced. You can put in the the results that you have in your area, and uh, match it with everybody else's. And it's it's wonderful for that. Of course, you know we've we've had the stuff with the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, you know, from yeah, 25 yeah. years ago, uh, we had a lot of ham involvement there. We actually run a. Uh, uh, Memorial Marathon every year, and that's coming mm. up in October, where we have 110 hams that provide that we do all of the communications for the route um, uh, for a full blown 26.2 mile uh, marathon. So, well, the, t- uh, tell us uh, tell us a little about uh, the aerospace uh, department there at the University of Oklahoma. I know I've worked with you guys some. And uh, with some of the students there to try to get some balloons off, uh, how are they doing? And uh, are they still involved in that, or are they moving on to something else now? That we what we did was a, a capstone project with the University of Oklahoma's Aerospace Department, um, Dr. Thomas Hayes, uh, KI5AIF, is a uh, is a ham, and he had one of the capstone projects. I think they had four or five, and one of them was involved balloons uh, from an aerospace, and their job was to build balloons and watch them track 
they have uh, finished for the semester. They've turned in their projects. Um, we've got information. I've got it on our SCARS page, w5nor.org slash balloon. If anybody wants to go look at that stuff, there's a video that presentation that they finally ended up with. But um, they put four balloons up. And they got uh, one of them to probably 100 miles, one of them to uh, northwest or northeast Arkansas, and one of them made it to Newfoundland and got in a big storm up there. Yeah. And then another one got in a big storm up by uh, northern Erie, uh, Lake Erie, just made it into Canada up there. So they put up uh, party balloons and they put up, uh, they put up three. Uh, over the same Chinese big balloons and uh, three mm -hmm. uh, and then one party balloon, double party balloon thing. And had a great time. We appreciate man. They told me when they finished, they appreciated your assistance and thank you very much for uh, coming to join them on a couple well, of Well, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed helping them. You know, one of the things that Bill Brown was telling me and I don't know where it's gone with this, but uh, there's so much activity now with the Pico balloons that the the weather service is starting to take interest in what the hams are doing with the pico balloons because we use a lot of their models to see where this balloon is going to go but uh, their models can be you know improved um, i mean they can't tell you what the area is every single foot everywhere around the world there's just no way so uh, they're thinking that the ham radio uh, balloons can help them to make improvements in your in your models so that's uh, interesting yeah, I think I think that data would be wonderful to to pipe into their network. A couple of our hams are work for the weather service, and they're looking at doing remote sensing uh, pieces. And they're doing things like they take GOES satellite data, and they look at the air temperatures at various levels, and they're trying to integrate that into the model so that where they don't have balloons, they can integrate um, the balloon uh, the the balloon data from the satellite data. And uh, one of one of our guys is um, has some of the Whisper Light um, uh, devices, and he's working on a great big box kite that he can run the box kite up in the air mm -hmm. and just park it around for uh, uh, for sending down data to the ground. And, box kites are uh, interesting. Let's talk about that in just a minute. I, I forgot to put the phone number up on the screen earlier tonight in case someone wanted to call in. I just put the phone number up there, guys. If you want to call us, give us a call. We're going to be here another 15 minutes uh, until our time slot ends on shortwave. Uh, number is 712-775-7270. You'll have to put in a code uh, there to get into the show. Talking about box kites, uh, box kite, um, my first experience as a kid was with uh, some uh, military surplus, and that was a Gibson Girl transmitter, and uh, people may not know what a Gibson Girl transmitter is, but it was used, I guess, in a raft. It was a little yellow uh, transmitter. It was curved on the side. You could put it between your legs and knees right there, and you could turn a crank on it, and it would automatically send out a distress signal on different frequencies. It had a little door that opened up and it had a reel of wire in it. And with that Gibson girl in the pouch, in that Gibson girl, you got a box kite you could put together. And you got two hydrogen balloons that you could use. Now the hydrogen balloons were, were uh, just you know rubber balloons. They, they would inflate to about three feet, three, four feet in diameter. And we had some hydrogen uh, canisters that came with it 
you'd screw the little pipe on the hydrogen canister, put the balloon on it, and you'd set that canister down in the water, and it would start bubbling, and it would make hydrogen, and it would fill the balloon up, and that balloon was supposed to, uh, it was supposed to uh, connect on your antenna and take it out, like if you're in the ocean and that's your antenna. And the same thing with the box kite. Uh, the box kites uh, uh, had little aluminum tubes, all four sides were little aluminum tubes that would go together, and they had a cloth, a cloth box kite. And uh, from that I learned about box kites, and I started building some, and uh, uh, the box kites are very very uh, easy to fly and they can hold stuff up in the air and you were talking just about that just just then yep that's we've got one guy that's actually see. Uh, building his own that's uh that's using titanium rods for the actual yeah. vertical rod part of that thing and all right who do we have uh, who do we have on a telephone uh you got uh, you got kb3's dvh uh richard in in erie pennsylvania Hey Richard, how you doing? I'm doing real good. Yeah, yeah, you guys are uh, reminiscing. I remember uh, a story uh, in seventh grade. It was in our science class, and the uh, science teacher was working uh, with hydrogen, had it in a beaker, lit, lit it with the match. The only problem yeah. is the beaker blew up. I mean, oh, shards of glass were flying everywhere. The boom was like, like unbelievable. I mean, even the school principal came in wondering what the heck just happened oh man and uh, uh poor the poor teacher had to be take taken to the emergency room because he had shards of glass in his hand and everything well you know my my and, science teacher my science teacher used to do that but if i remember right they were some kind of thick bottles and we would do the electrolysis where you know one side would be oxygen one side would be hydrogen and he would he would take a match and stick it up there and it would pop you know i think what your teacher did there with a flask probably the uh had too much gas and the glass was too thin yeah it was yeah it was yeah wow man and, hey i got some good news for you what's that uh last last week uh when they had the contest university oh uh, yeah i found out that i was the first winner you of the uh, seventy three hundred. Seventy three hundred. You won the seventy three hundred. Yes, man. Yeah. Cool. Oh, man, that's yeah. nice. Oh. I'm waiting. I'm waiting uh, for. She said she was going to uh, ship them out today. So I'm hoping tomorrow's Christmas. Well, I've got a seventy three hundred here. It's a beautiful little radio. You'll you'll really love it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away. I almost fell out of bed when when they called my name, my call letters. <laughs> yeah. That was unreal. That is uh, that's that's wonderful, man. Congratulations, yeah. there. Yeah. Unfortunately, we just lost that teacher uh, uh, about two years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but I still remember that. I'm going to be. Uh, oh, I, I just collected my first Social Security check. And uh, so, uh, you know, you could tell how many years ago that was, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, well, that's what we've been doing tonight, kind of reminiscing, and uh, I hooked up here with uh, my buddy from 50 years ago, man, and he's got a better memory than me, but uh, he he knows what I'm talking about, I think, man, you know. 
Yeah, funny thing is, I remember 50 years ago, but uh, I can't remember what I just did 10 minutes ago. Well, that that's uh, true, too, man. That, that, that happens, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll let you go so you can get to the next part. All right, man. Thanks uh, for uh, thanks for calling in here. We, we're we're going to be on here for another uh, five or six minutes. If anybody else wants to give us a call, the number is on the screen. Give us a, a phone call. Is there anybody on Zoom that wants to jump in here and say something? We had a couple other people join us. Turn it Anthony's down. been awful quiet tonight. So's Don. You know, I, Anthony is is very faithful. He's on our net every week, man. I talk to Anthony every single week, and he really follows the show here. He's Anthony's in a HOA there, I think, and you know his antenna. What his antenna is? He's got an antenna. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's an off-center fed, and it's laying a cr- uh, down the top of a wooden fence. It's on a wooden fence. Cedar. What is it? Cedar. A cedar fence. A cedar fence. Yeah, cedar fence. And let me tell you, I hear him every week. He checks in and out. So look, if you're interested in knowing how how a, a, a antenna will work down near the ground, hidden on top of a fence, this is a guy here that uh, knows how to do it. I call it a magic antenna. It is magic, yeah, yeah. It 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 uh, doesn't uh, conform to logic and science, and it's got a mind of its own. But Tom, I do want to say thank you for allowing me to participate in this evening's uh, podcast. I did just send you an email uh, regarding a. It happened about a couple months ago. You know, uh, Mike, the founder and owner from M Squared Antennas. I don't uh, know him A6, personally. A six NYC. No, I, I don't know him uh, personally. We probably met, but right. Well, yeah. I'm sure you probably heard of his his radio, his antennas, and and so forth that he does for his business. Uh-huh. He had a he had a, uh, a a mishap or an accident that almost took his life down from a from a. Uh, he was trying to work on his um, crank. Uh, type tilt uh, yeah. tower. Oh man! He had, it down, he had it leaning, and if you go to the website that I sent you, you can read the whole article. And, okay. and, the, and the picture doesn't do justice. Well, I'll tell you, this hobby has some danger in it. And uh, yes. when you look back, when I look back 50 years ago, 40 years ago, the things I did, I had no business doing it. And uh, I see new young hams all the time getting their license or getting their tech license. And the first thing they're doing, they're going out and buying some rotten tower somewhere that's rusty or it's about to fall down and somebody gives it to them and they're going to put it up. And um, I had a friend that was a lineman uh, for many years and uh, he had the safety belts and everything. And, you know, he taught me, he says, you got to, you got to, you got to, Tell it, you know, go up there and threaten it. Tell it to fall. Get up there and shake it. Tell it to fall, you know. And uh, he said, you know, be the boss. And but anyway, I, I put up my own tower, uh, about 80 feet worth, and uh, I did stuff up there I should not have done. Uh, looking back now, I wish I had never done it. I, I survived it, but uh, it's dangerous, man. If you don't know what you're doing, an accident can occur at any second and it doesn't even have to be your fault you know i saw one video where a uh, uh, a gen pole 
actually started falling. It, it tilted. A gin pole fell like this, and it snapped. It snapped a guy wire, and the whole tower came down with a guy on it. So stuff like it happens all the time. So, man, just, you know, if you're new, you don't need a tower. Man, I don't have a tower anymore at this home. I use all wire antennas. I shoot my, my lines over these tree limbs 100 feet in the air. And uh, I use wire antennas, experiment with all kinds of wire antennas, verticals and uh, extended double zeps and inverted Vs and fan dipoles and delta loops. And I have as much fun with those, actually I have more fun with those than I had when I had a tower up and a tri-band beam up there. And if you don't have the two sitting next to each other, you're not going to know the difference. Um, so it's unfortunate accidents like that do happen. Uh, we wish him the best. Yeah. You stepped the you stepped the back to, to to get another angle before the tower, um, before the bolt sheared, and 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 went down down to the ground and and the freaking his his um his antennas were 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 still being um. With the amount of force and and weight, yeah. it was being dug into the ground while the freaking tower was still collapse was still pushing yeah, it into yeah. the ground, and everything was just going. Well, pieces of the metal was, was flying everywhere like shrapnel. I guess I've led a crazy life. Uh, I'm lucky. Uh, I, you know, I had several repeaters over the years, and we eventually put them on top of a water tower uh, in my hometown. Also, put them on a 200 foot. Uh, self-supporting tower at the county courthouse but uh, in the early days we put uh, two antennas we didn't have a duplexer so we put two antennas on my tower separated and uh, we did it in the winter time it was sleeting it was cold it was raining there was ice on the tower and we climbed it anyway and my friend went up to put the top one up and he was up there so long, and I kept asking him, you know, what, what's going on? What's going on? He says, I'm warming my hands. He had his hands in his pocket. And while he was up there, he swallowed a lock washer. I guess he had the, the nuts and the washers in the mouth. He swallowed a lock washer. And, you know, while I'm telling on myself here, I'll just mention this. I have, I have climbed past a wasp nest on a tower and went above it. That's not a smart thing to do, you know. Man, Tom, Tom, it is a miracle you are still with us. You know, that's not a that's not a that's not a th you know thing to do. Climb climb past a wasp nest. Oh, he, you know this is recorded, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just telling people, you know, do do as I say, not as I do. Okay. I think he is saving some of these. I, I'm stories. saving some of these new guys. I'm saving some new guys, man. Let me tell you. Do, do, as, do as I say, not as I do. That's that's uh, my my thing here. Okay, hey guys, we got one minute till sign off on shortwave. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, and we're on WBCQ on 7490 kilohertz. Uh, tune in next week and uh, uh, join us again and. Uh, uh, we thank you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, good night to everybody out there on shortwave. And we'll see. see you next week. 
And hey, guys, stick around a second on uh, on the remote here, if you will, John, if you're still there. Uh, we'll go ahead and end the show here. Save me three to everybody out in the chat room. Uh, glad uh, glad you guys joined us.